Exits for Podcast is brought to you by the Cage Club Network. So for all things media, check out cageclub.me. Hey everybody, welcome back to X's for Podcast, the show where we take a look at comics, mutants, magic, and marvels week after week through their many monthly titles. I'm Nico, and you guys can check me out on Twitter and Instagram at NicoAction, that's N-I-C-O-A-C-T-I-O-N. Today we'll be bringing you all three M's in the form of Marauders 23, the debut issue of Trial of Magneto from another perspective, as well as America Chavez number 5, Made in America, the finale to her amazing miniseries. First up, this issue of Marauders sort of reminded us the more things change, the more things stay the same. The main characters of the title have remained mostly Kate and Emma, while the background characters have changed at a pretty rapid rate. This next issue is an amazing exploration of what happens when they add two new characters to try and balance out a number of the characters we've lost. We hope you guys enjoy, and hey, don't forget if you like what you hear, you'll probably like what you see. So check us out over on Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram at X is for Podcast, where you can get more exclusive content every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the next episode of X is for Podcast, where we talk about Marvel's magic and the wonderful mutants and today is all about the mutants it's marauders 23 uh i am rod find me at rod comma the on all the twitters and the instagrammies and i'm gonna have nathan go <laughs> hey it's nathan and i don't have an instagrammy but like i really want one now but i have an instagram account like and a twitter account and they're both dazzler aoa and you can find me there mainly on twitter though because like, i always forget i have instagram Hey and next to Steve or Drew or Drew or Steve. <laughs> when do you guys go? C for Drew, because that's how you spell. <laughs> hey guys, I'm Drew. You can find me online on Twitter and Instagram at Drewsiver3. That's at D-R-E-W-S-I-P-H-E-R-3. I don't really use my Instagram though for X-Men stuff. It's more of a personal account. Twitter is all my X talk. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Uh, I'm Steve. It's me. And I don't have an Instagram, but I have a Twitter. I'm too active on it. You can find me at howdyduda. That's H-O-W-D-Y-D-U-D-A. I feel like I made everyone feel ashamed not using their Instagram or not having it. No, okay, not. look, Rod, we're not all you. Okay? I, I said no, I don't look great and post every day. Oh, my right? God. Oh, my God. Everyone makes... Dude, we're just I'm jealous. sorry. We're jealous. You know what? You know what? Anyway, Marauders <laughs> issue 23 is what we're talking about today for all the haters out there. I'm so glad that we have this good vibes going so early on. <laughs> I'm gonna you know, it. like, I really wish we'd done that later because I was going to say, like, talking of booty, like, fancy in this issue, but anyway. It is Marauders issue 23, (laughs) written by Gary Dugan. Artist is Yvonne Fiorelli. The colorist is Rain Barreto. And then the letterer is VCs Corey Petit. Again, if I did not say your name right, any of the artists or writers, please correct me. And I love you so much because I did love this book. It was amazing. We are already 23 issues in Marauders, which always fascinates me because I feel like there's been there's been not enough X books, but there's also been so many X books and when you actually look at the numbers you're like wow like almost all of them not all of them but almost all of them have at least 20 or more issues and that just seems insane to me but we're with the pirates
pirates this week and you know what i don't think all of us have ever come together to talk about marauders so this is something new so i love that for us <laughs> i talked about it with nathan but not drew or steve so i want to know y'all's points on how you feel about this series so far let's start with drew it's like i still pick it up and i still really enjoy it but it is not like it's more middle for me you know it's just you know it's this it's it's met you know meh it's mid yeah it's it's very mid i i would write the series as a whole a six out of ten that's not bad though six out of ten is not bad no but that's what i mean like like i i enjoy it and stuff but it's i'm not like it's not i'm not like running to the to the cbr like this the comic store when Hey, not every book's going to make you do that, though. So that's very valid. What about you, Steve? This is a book that I liked a lot when it first started. It was actually one of my very favorite X-Books when it first started out, and it gave me so much that I had wanted it a long time. A lot of really good Kate Pride action, a lot of... I mean, the one thing the book gives us consistently, forever, is incredibly solid Emma moments, you know? That's the thing. Over time, I've sort of lost enthusiasm for this book, and it's it's kind of crept its way down on my personal ranking of the X-Books. I will not give it a rate or a ranking, I, I don't like doing that. But what I will say is uh, there are a majority of the Xbooks right now that I am more excited to pick up week to week. I do still pick up Marauders. It's not in my list of canceled Xbooks for sure, which does exist as people who listen to this podcast regularly probably know by now. I There's still stuff that I enjoy in Marauders, you know, week to week, mainly Emma action. Sometimes there's really interesting stuff with rescuing a mutant that I want to see, you know, doing, I want to see them doing more of that and they don't do a lot of that. I just feel like the book has been really lacking direction since since the Ten of Swords tournament and through the gala it got a little bit of a bump but I personally was not a fan of what the book did during the gala and that the repercussion repercussions of that color my enjoyment of this issue particularly but we can get into that in a little bit more detail but it's it's certainly one that i'm continuing to read if not be wholly enthusiastic about kind of like bruce said yeah so, I mean, okay yeah, so i'm gonna add into it too come on <laughs> geez don't forget about no um mm. so i think my problem i i do i really enjoy the book i think my problem with marauders is it was really presented to us as a team book and it's not and it's not it's really a kate and emma buddy book and that's where I find the joyful moments having Storm on that team and seeing her being underserved while she was on it was a big bummer for me the non-existence in so many issues of Bishop Pyro Iceman like it's it's like this yeah I know right (laughs) (laughs) like they got a mention though like they're like well Pyro didn't (laughs) yeah no he got a chapter in a book that was at the end of the issue that's that's got a data page so that's true that's true so not enough yeah it's so what it was presented to us at so it's kind of like if anybody remembers that superwoman book dc came out with a few years ago where it was presented as lois lane was going to be superwoman yeah the so Earth like, Street superwoman i uh, know it was uh it was it was one of the like yeah re- it's the crime version right uh, no it was it was like the new earth version of lois lane oh so okay. then in that wild <laughs> first issue like because when superman died she somehow absorbed some of his powers right so in that first issue it was presented to us as a lois lane as superwoman book in that first issue she dies and it becomes alana lang as superwoman it was a great book but it's not at all what you were presented blowing my mind right now I did not know that <laughs> I existed in the new earth continuity that's why <laughs> i don't i don't i don't even know what new earth continuity is on dc we can't so, get into it. <laughs> i know i'm like i don't know what that is but that's yeah. cool <laughs> Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't think follow that, much DC anymore. <laughs> yeah, the, all, a lot of my issues with this book, we're actually going to probably talk about today. Like, like I have like consistently things that are just like 
one, guys. Like, yeah, <laughs> we got a list. All right, well, let's get into it then. Let's start off by I first want to say that I do love how well let me rephrase that i don't i guess i i can appreciate i don't love it because i don't really want to love that but i appreciate the influence that twitter can have on the the storytelling of comic books like this one (laughs) i don't think it should influence it that hard on some things on more like culture cultures and you know um Social, yeah, social issues, yes. Storytelling in in retrospect, not as much. But this was a really good <laughs> example of that when quote unquote Cyclops. I'm using air quotes. <laughs> <laughs> You're Galactus so and why, why do we? Why are we not sure that's actually Cyclops? <laughs> I mean, sure, it could be, I but is it? I mean, I I'm willing to hear your opinion on this. One. It was it was Gary Dugan putting on a, yeah. on, on a visor yeah. and being like, I'm Cyclops. When That's he says, true. you know. Like, I'm Cyclops. <laughs> I thought you had his... a theory. Oh, no, 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 no. Not in a serious theory. No, it's, I mean, it's Cyclops in canon. But yeah. like basically, when... you know, gives his speech and is like, it's time for tempo, you know. And I mean, it was time for tempo. She should have been on the X team. But it's fine. It's fine. She's on this book a little bit. And, <laughs> and it looks like she's going to go forward. So I'm happy that, you know, she wasn't just used for a vote. And then just thrown away and i appreciate that they took the time to be like hey there was a movement that happened called time for tempo and you know the x books are acknowledging it in a, in a small way but it's still appreciated nod wink wink yeah it was certainly a hashtag so oh, yeah. like the, the so i love i love that tempo is going to be in the book what more of her like she could show up every fucking where like her and frenzy like give me more of them like mm-hmm. sign me the fuck up but they had just moved her to ag like speeding up the process for the krakoan medicines on Araco. so like to to pull her from that in-universe very important task to do an out-of-universe important thing to give her more exposure I thought was kind of interesting for the character and like I'm, I'm all for her showing up giving her exposure it's just pulling her from that task in-universe seems very odd. yeah they, they could have used her more in sword that like she should like, yeah. you know what I mean like basically have this issue but in the sword book yeah in her defense yeah. she can manipulate time so I imagine she has the time <laughs> 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 that is, that is, the time. This is, is no time to talk about time. A while ago. <laughs> Timey wimey BS, but yeah, I she, love her for it. I, I do agree that this was I'm glad the tempo's here and that's one of the things I was ex- most excited about with this book I also thought we were going to get Bishop based on the cover but we did not it's fine can we just I, sorry can we just pause and talk about the, <laughs> about the cover since you mentioned oh, yeah. the cover the I, cover is glorious this Russell Dodderman art so like he's one of there are a couple artists for me where it's like if they do covers I'm buying it and he's one of them and I just like love the colors on this cover I think they are so fucking stunning when they yeah, really is that Matt up. Wilson? Yes. Yeah. Nice. They're just it's, such a great team. Yeah, it is like, uh, I love this cover so much. That's all. Yeah, I mean, I have to agree. That's one of the reasons why I bought this physical because I usually buy my Xbooks digital now because there's just so many and I can't, I'm running out of space in my house, y'all. So I can't do it anymore. <laughs> I can only buy so many physicals. But this was a, a really beautiful cover and it got me more pumped for the issue. We didn't get this group together like this in this issue, which kind of really disappointed me. We didn't get Pyro and his hand is in the cover so i i don't know i mean the covers <laughs> don't always reflect the inside of the story and i get that but yeah i was disappointed <laughs> but i mean it was still a good issue and it still had good moments of action like that one point where they had the little posing fighting scene together with jumbo carnation and emma in the short shorts like that was cute i liked that 
that. I like the fashion. It was nice. High, <laughs> high point for this high point for this issue, honestly, both Jumbo beating up that guy, that dumb idiot. And then Emma Frost, who drew you? Is Bruce Tim working on these designs? Because you look great. <laughs> those short shorts, those legs are for days. It's ridiculous. She looked yeah, very I'm, good in this issue. That panel made me straight. So like, <laughs> I'm, I'm just straight now and like just in love with Emma. Like, but holy shit. Like who thought shit. that she could rock? Like who thought anybody rocking some short shorts in an X book would be so fucking amazing? With that, with that huge like top on, like just billowy. And yeah, man, I, I don't know. know. Okay, I'm almost and her like... shoes have little X's. Yeah, I, I'm almost... I, the little lace-ups on the side of the shorts. Yes. I almost like I question whether Emma Frost would actually wear jeans, but I like her in this outfit so much that I'm kind of paying it. Well, they don't have any jeans. Blue be blue velour that looks oh, like blue shirts. Yeah, yeah. No, they're not it's actually jeans because you they're can not actually jeans. Well, then my no. theory stands. Emma Frost doesn't wear jeans. She doesn't no. wear jeans. She doesn't wear blue denim. I talked about this on Twitter earlier yes. today. <laughs> yeah. No, the only time she wears jeans is in that one women's issue. I think she was wearing jeans then, but she I manipulated everyone around her to make it look like she was wearing like a big flowy dress and diamonds and her hair was done but she wasn't she, so maybe wears she it to be always wear jeans maybe she just always wears like and she's just she's like in a everyone. onesie like she's in like one of those like those like dolphin onesies just like chilling out and like <laughs> makes I, everybody think she's dressed fabulous. all right so I, I wear jeans because i like to sleep in an uncomfortable bed i don't believe that emma frost has my taste <laughs> <laughs> I need to see Emma Frost drawn in a dolphin. I don't know why dolphin, but a dolphin onesie now. Like we need it. <laughs> I need it now. I need artists. We need this fan art. Like please. But yeah, I I think that was a really high point for this issue. Definitely Emma made me question, you know, my bisexualityness. But then Jumbo brought me right back into. I mean, bisexuals both, so I could do both. Yeah, I, I love <laughs> them both. I love them both. Even Jumbo Carnation had that like Tudor boot thing, which is kind of confirmed that he is queer i guess we haven't had that confirmed we don't know what he is it's crazy that we haven't had that confirmed that's we haven't had that hasn't he been confirmed through everything but like have we just all been presuming this whole time Yeah, but no, no, I, we can't. We can't say he's right. he's can't, he's queer without him saying it because then we're drawing uh, stereotypes on what gay like queerness is. Just because he does fashion True. and all of this stuff, he could be right. straight as the day is long. I don't believe you're right, but I mean <laughs> that would be queer coding though. Like to the highest. I, no, point. I mean there's there's straight fashion designers. Okay, no, but yes, but it's absolutely true. But Jumbo Carnation, they're not, not presented. <laughs> that way he's not he's presented as queer but i until we i want to see good point you know i need to we need to see him with a, a another male or non-gender you know binary why would, we um, set, why would we settle for presuming you're right let's see it let's see it yeah let's see yeah. it i want to see it with him with another mutant preferably a male or you know non-gender binary not a woman yeah. and i guess cool he could do a woman too but like it needs to be something other than just a woman too because then that you know you have that representation i love it and he's all his arms he needs more than one person he has too many arms for just one person yeah or at least one person with easily as many arms or genitals oh mm. oh wow so, <laughs> right because like unlike jan van dyne he's actually a mutant creating a mutant fashion line <laughs> oh that's true that's true <laughs> i to get more in like the beginning of it with emma frost i love how we get her in her glorious bed and she's basically just like oh the gala was horrible you know but like i thought she would have more of a reaction that her brother died yeah he didn't die no. He didn't die. Yeah, especially because he, they, he got they, really they, hurt. They really made it seem like in the the gala issue that he did die, and then 
you've like it was briefly mentioned that he didn't die in the last issue. He was though assaulted, but definitely the yes. marauder being the the marauder being beat up. I guess makes sense for Emma to be more concerned about openly. But you know, this is her mind narration, so I would assume she was at least a little yeah. worried about Christian. <laughs> I would appreciate it if you know we got a moment where she's like, "I need to find the people that beat up my brother." Hey, everybody, Nico here. Now, keen-eared listeners might recognize that Christian Frost and Emma have played a factor in recent issues of Wolverine, where she's been following up on the events of the Hellfire Gala and the attack on her brother, as well as the damage done to the Marauder. So if you're looking for that information, go check out Ben Percy and Adam Kubert's amazing Wolverine run, which we're also covering right here on X's for Podcast. He's there as like a semi-canonical boyfriend for, or at least romantic interest for Iceman. Mm. And it's a shame because it's just like, it's tantalizing. Yes. Could I do with an entire issue of Iceman and Christian exploring, if not a relationship, at least their relationship to each other, because they clearly have things going on. Could I stand with a B plot through five issues of them exploring that? Yeah. But instead, it's just like, all right, there you go. Don't need to work any harder on that rep. Yeah. Yeah. And let me go find all the top men. So another thing too, another thing too, is with Jerry Jenkins writing is he's, he's bringing, I said this in like the the last X-Men podcast, the, uh, he's getting very like Claremontian with the way he's writing, uh, bringing back kind of like the narrative dialogues and kind of, uh, you know, even with the scene with Emma, just like laying in bed thinking right that like mundane stuff which is um, nice yes which is yeah. nice and yes keep doing it and keep doing it but one other thing that i would really like them to add is those b plots that claremont did a lot because it really gave like it gave you like a lot of content and more it felt like more content yeah um, get- and and we could really have that in in these issues and i'm not even just talking about this book or x-men even i'm talking about all the books too yeah, yeah. in general Wait. that would be mm-hmm. better uh i feel like this issue very specifically suffered from the lack of anything else but focus on what was not a very interesting actual plot and it's funny that you you mentioned that it is claremontian in that he gets inside the inner surface but honestly this whole issue it felt like reading an issue of Dare, of deadpool to me uh and not in a way that i enjoy so the, there was a return of one thing in this issue that i really 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 fucking appreciated the return of banshee's like mid-90s fucking gym teacher cakes all i need is his like <laughs> generation x short shorts and I would have just been happy, but yeah. like to see them cakes return was amazing. His body is insane. His like, body is insane. Is his waist is hundred... like of his shoulder width. <laughs> yeah. His body is a hundred percent muscle. He like, is finched for the gods. I yes. he doesn't look comfortable, but he, he looks look hot. Mean, but yeah. it looks good. He looks hot as hell, and I'm just like, I'm, I'm glad I'm, they're objectifying Banshee. Yeah, right. I mean, objectifying I mean, it's nice me. to inject. He's like he's an older is. man, you know. So it's nice to be able to see him as still as a sexual being. Yo, he looks yeah. like they drew him in ten of swords. Yeah, I'm like he doesn't look older. Looks younger than me in this issue. <laughs> he, well, no, when they he, drew him in ten of swords, he looked like 500 years old. And like, <laughs> he did. He looks so old. In that issue and this issue he it looks i could say at least 30 at least like a like a young looking 30 but look at least okay 30, dude okay i'm not saying 30s old but I, i'm not saying 30s old but i'm saying we're saying he looks really young yeah and like not that 30 isn't really young but i'm like you know he looks Everybody's like he's like super hot in this issue and i that is oh, honestly yeah. a saving grace because it's one of the things i can point to that i liked in it yeah i mean i did like that jumbo carnation got his moment to actually be a badass and not just a fashion yes. designer like he yes. has like tough f- 
fame flame you know um... but but my criticism with that is is like yeah cool that we're using jumbo but there was also other characters that we haven't been using like we talked about before like mm-hmm. pyro yeah. and bishop that we could have used instead of a new character so let's use the characters that are supposed to be on the team instead of bringing it like yes like i'm fine with you bringing in new characters in that but like if you're if you're not using the characters that you have on your team then why like you know you're not using your team yeah jumbo i feel like would have been good in like x corp or i don't know maybe i don't know i can't think of anything else that he would probably be good in that would make more sense for him to be in maybe sword but probably not maybe just more x corp has more business and he can do like the fashion thing and do all that and but i think jumbo's more consistently appeared in marauders than oh yeah actual yes. team members of the marauders and his oh, yeah. feels on because of that right that yeah. like his voice yeah. feels on point i think a lot yeah. of the voices in this issue felt really strange um tempos felt way off to me uh kate's felt a little strange yeah. too there's just See, there's I, some strange dialogue differences emma feels on point as always i think duggan has uh, done an amazing job oh, yeah. of uh I, emma's voice i couldn't judge tempos as much because i feel like i haven't even seen that much of her in this in this era like it did feel if it felt kind of weird but i'm like i don't really oh. even know this character that much in this era so i'm like True. maybe this is her uh, but i'm not sure but i also am like i thought her power was more powerful than this yeah, yeah like that's, she can't. that's another thing too that i wanted to i wanted i have in my notes is that like really like it's time for tempo but like her and she did do a lot like don't get me wrong like she saved you know everything she saved the day you know she saved the she saved the day but like she just stood there you know what i mean like i wish she had more of like a power insignia or kind of like something (laughs) and did more than just kind of sit there let's let's talk about tempo saving the day actually because two of my two of my criticisms of this issue are directly involved with the scene in which she saves the day and i want to emphasize that she saves the day here because there's absolutely a scene where emma's like go save tempo so a little Ooh, yeah. at the beginning of the scene, right? Tempo is slowing down the time on the bomb. And there are a couple of things here that I feel like the art is completely at cross purposes with the writing. It's strange. I don't I don't blame the artist. I think the artist is actually great throughout this issue. And I don't know if it's just a lack of communication between the two of them or maybe a miscommunication or a mistake. But there's a couple things here where the art seems to completely undercut what's actually going on in the story. Right. So Kate runs in and she's like, you know, you hold on to the bomb slow it down. I'm going to go out there and I'll be right back. Holler if you need me. But why? Kate doesn't do anything out there. She leaves the building. A guy phases through her and she walks back in almost not in time to save Tempo. She should have been right there waiting to help her out. And the fact that she wasn't, the the writer and apparently the artist, maybe in combination, needed to have her leave the room and come back in for some drama. But nothing happened in between there. There is no drama there. It seems like a completely pointless decision, mm-hmm. if only yeah. to like artificially ratchet up tension. But what it feels like is leaving at this point the sole black character in this book because Bishop is gone and Storm is gone to maybe die for no reason you know like obviously Kate was going to come back and save her in time or whatever but like why does Kate have to save Tempo why can't Tempo save the day the yeah. whole day why does but, Tempo have to be that close to the bomb agreed <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that's the other part where the art really undercuts the narrative because here's the part where Kate comes back in and says you didn't think we'd forget about you and it's like alright but why did you leave the room but like she comes back <laughs> in and she here's the thing that really bothered me and this is maybe a small point people may not have even noticed this notice this but i pay a lot of attention to where the art is kate reaches out and she touches the bomb the bomb that is about to explode kate phases the bomb 
not Tempo mm. in the scene. She should have phased Tempo. It makes sense to phase Tempo, but she phases the bomb. So what I expect to happen is that the explosion will go through Tempo, through Kate, and through the building, not hurting anybody because the explosion and the bomb are phased. What actually happens is that Tempo and Kate are fine, but the entire building is destroyed. A thing that would happen if she had phased herself and Tempo, but not the bomb and not the building. So the art here is telling us one thing happened, and then the art slightly later is telling us that a different thing happened, and the narrative does not seem to mention the difference here. I'm, I know that I sound like I'm nitpicking, but it literally on the page does not make sense with what they wanted to convey. And as much as it may not take people out of the story, I do find it a, like a symptom of other things in this issue that are just strange kind of off i definitely so I noticed think on that it looks like if you if you look at it it looks like her hand is like very like it's, it's not very clear it looks like her hand is very obscured and she touches her hand but it's so like it's so confusing and it looks like she touches the bomb that she definitely touches the bomb yeah yeah no it, <laughs> like, i can it. see i can see how the artist says like like oh see that little the little shadow over there that she was touching her hand like yeah and it's yeah, just like clear. between all of that and then like the building didn't have to be destroyed. Neither did the medicine. Kate could have just touched. It. I know that it's like, all right, in hindsight, maybe he didn't think of that. But like, yeah, she could have just saved all the saved this all is, medicines as well. I mean, this but, has been my pro- this has been my issue with um, I love Marauders, yeah. by the way, too. And I appreciate for what the story tries to do um, because I get the plot points. And what I'm what I mean about the story tries to do, like the the moments are here. You know, Emma having that monologue scene, Banshee coming, Tempo and Jumbo being there you know her and kate you know kind of teaming up and like saving the day even though it's supposed to be just tempo like although and, I, and we're not even on the cuckoos part yet but we'll get to there but like although that like those plot points are there but like the execution and like the actual flow of it is, is real rocky and it's like we could have i feel like it might have been this feels like it was rushed and it like does feel like a rush then yeah and yeah. and it's not like the worst thing ever i still enjoy reading it and i still liked it after i read it and i was like oh that was cool you know because i had a lot of cool moments in it and i get what they were trying to do but when you go back and reread it you can see more of like the like the things you were saying like the missteps you know like oh she's reaching for the bomb the the dialogue and art does not match like this is not matched like some of these voices are off you know and it's really unfortunate because like you we like marauders we like these mutants we like these characters we all want them to shine we want tempo to have a moment we want jumbo carnation to have a moment but not at the expense of other characters that have been here and that have been here since the first issue and deserve to have those moments yeah. as well and these frankly like deadpool i, I hate to keep saying deadpool level jokes <laughs> duggan wrote deadpool i'm not forgetting he did write deadpool yeah. but and like just like the yeah. broad irish comedy like really like i mean that's that's fine it's just like i mean i guess I feel it's like that's really about it's whatever but like it's oh. just it's just extremely it doesn't feel like it feels like lazy right it feels like lazy I, it's extremely i feel like that's how real i don't i don't i feel like that's how marauders not the lazy writing per se but that's bad how irish comedy that the, well yes i don't I, i'm not a fan <laughs> of the bad irish comedy but i feel like that's the feel of marauders has been since like issue one just like that kind of yuck yuck comedy like even with the your things have had that has bobby has said you know with the gotta find the tops and yeah. like all these other things like <laughs> I feel it's like funny it better for me in other issues than it did for yeah. this one this one was where i was like nah you didn't hit see, you know see i feel like the reason why this is not hitting is like gotten it goes back to what i said before is that we're already we're 23 issues in these yuck yuck jokes feel feel better 
when you are moving along with the same characters and they're building up a story and then they have this rapport with each other we haven't this is the first time we've seen bishop i mean not bishop banshee this issue <laughs> we haven't, seen bishop, and we haven't bishop in a while <laughs> and, and the first time we really have tempo interacting with any of these characters really and also jumbo carnation actually doing something other than designing like so we don't have that connection with them and to try to make these happen automatically in like issue 23 it feels off and i feel like that's why some of these characters voices feel off off because they're trying to make this connection already happen in in minutes of a battle and we haven't had that moment to just be with them together i hear what you're saying frankly the russian calling an irish person a potato eating something in anger oh, that doesn't that was, me in any yeah, yeah no doesn't. that was bad yeah no that yeah, was bad yeah but you're right like we have not grown with this cast uh because mm-hmm. half of it has suddenly been added to in this issue and hopefully not yeah. this issue alone because now, you know, otherwise, what was it for? But that's well, the kind of showed up last issue. So like, haha, right? Like, it's, ooh, he's an established player. That's the thing, too, is it's like, and even though it, it like the thing that sucks is that even though those Pyro and Bishop aren't being as heavily featured, I want Tempo and Banshee to stay, too. So it's like, oh, yeah, like, yeah. you know, it's kind of the I think they're such like, a good fit. Yeah. Yeah. Fit. yeah. So it's kind of like we need to just like kind of hone in our characters and maybe just like have like a couple, like maybe two arcs of its work. It's just them like having more like standard plots. Like I'm thinking kind of like Hellion's kind of style plotting and to like get that character, you know, relationship down. Yeah, I think if the team was presented to us as like from now on is Kate, Banshee, Tempo, uh, like Callisto features in this book so much. So like Callisto and Emma, like be down. I'd love it. Like, bam, it would be hot. Like I wouldn't yearn for the characters that are supposed to be on the team that aren't, <laughs> that if these other characters get featured over. Yeah. yeah, I mean, not to not to compare books i'm just using it as a reference like in sword like not all those characters always get a moment but they're seen together and like yep. hasn't been that many books of that yet but they are st- still in the same space station still on earth fighting you know king of black doing this and that like doing like um the last annihilation now event that they're in but they're together you know and they're doing their part or they're seeing doing something they're having small little dialogue together they're having each having a little moment of building and i feel like in this book unfortunately we've only gotten that with emma and, and kate yep. and that's that's it and it just and i love emma and kate but if we're gonna do that then they they need to be the four they need to it be advertised as the forefront of this book and it needs to be d- centered more around just them than trying to splice in other character moments and then it not really fitting because i think like all of us but especially like steve and drew who are like this didn't feel for me like this didn't hit for me and that's like that's valid because like you're not the only ones that are seeing that and i'm glad that y'all are saying it because it needs to be said you know constructive criticism is good to say and you know if it doesn't fit right then we need to say it and it needs yeah. to be pointed out and then maybe that will make things happen for the better what well, what gets me is he's doing a pretty well balanced team where everybody gets team moments in x-men right now so yeah like, yeah so like like we know he can like actually do that book and he can throw in some subtle humor that's not like what the fuck kind of stuff but like yeah it, like he can have a team that's balanced because except for Laura, pretty much everybody's had a moment to shine in these first two issues of X Men. And but I think she's gonna get her time in X Men. Oh, so it's yeah. Yeah. on the second X Men is hitting so, so well for me right now that yeah. I can't help but feel like Dugan is putting all of his energy into making that Agreed. book shine mm-hmm. at the expense of Marauders, which unfortunately, you know, it. I mean, it doesn't. I, I've been hoping that this book would kind of like write itself for a while. Uh, yeah. It was. It's one that I actually do enjoy 
enjoy all the characters. They're all like my favorites in a lot of ways. So I, I want to see this book do well. And I'm, I'm hoping that he can strike that balance going forward. Yeah. And I mean, I would even say Savage Avengers. It, yeah. It, it's oh, a, he still writing that too? Yeah. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Savage Avengers is a book that's kind of like Marauders. It has the echo of jokes, but that's because it has Conan in it. And of course, that's what Conan is. Yeah. Um, he's not of this time. And, but it fits, you know, and not that it necessarily doesn't fit with this yeah. book, but like I, like I said with the character development, even they interchange characters in Savage Avengers is still kind of the core, you know, and that's why it fits because we get that longevity. And I feel like that's what, that's, that's one of the bad things are not really bad, just kind of the, con- I guess I wouldn't say, I would say con, even though that means bad, but just saying bad just sounds worse. I don't know, verb, adjectives, but that's <laughs> one of the, that's, that's one of the cons of writing a mutant book is like, there's so many mutes and you want to include them all because you want to, you know, appease the fans and get them to see the character and get the representation, like get the queer representation, get the, you know, black representation, get all of that. But you have to write it with longevity. Don't just throw them in there. Yeah, I so, agree. Don't yeah. put Storm on your team book if you're not going to make Storm a big part of the team book. I know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. One other issue, going back to the art kind of that I had with this issue is with Kitty, actually. So right before X of Swords, when Kitty, when she got resurrected, we made like this huge deal about, you know, her resurrection. It was like a really cool character piece about her faith, how she came out with her curly hair and stuff. Yeah. And it was like a big issue and it was like very specific, like, you know, that is why. And now we're drawing her with straight hair again. So it just kind of, to me, that makes like that issue less. You tried to make a point and then literally like six issues later, because I've seen it's happened since then, you're just going against it. And it's kind of just like, why, what was the point? Drew, not only is she drawn with straight hair in this issue, but she's also drawn without her Star of David. It is noticeably not on panel. And I thought we were done with that. And the thing, yeah. the thing that bothers me too about the hair is on the cover, like the cover is how she should be drawn with her curly hair. Yeah. And then in the, <laughs> yeah. in the, in the, in the issue itself, she has straight hair. So I'm like, so we like, it's just, it annoys me. (laughs) It's yeah, no, that's extremely frustrating, especially Mm -hmm. given previous criticisms of this book and its handling of Kitty Pride, Kate Pride. Yeah, that's, I mean, yeah, exactly. Like, like I said, the points are there and I feel like they try, but it's again, not to use the same word over and over. It's the longevity. They have to, like we were saying, when we mentioned, if, if this comes up after that, like uh, having a color palette for people Mm -hmm. of color as Mm -hmm. the characters. Also just have that with people that are on the same team of how they're styled especially if it's new and it's for you know for that culture you know it's for her jewish culture is to have her naturally curly hair to have you know the star david on her necklace like it's all of that matters to because it's representing people to see themselves in the store yeah. you know and if we don't have that in the story then it just takes people out of it and it makes them not enjoy it as much just like it is now and like i i love marauders and i love the the point they're trying to make with this but like those little details just take you out of it and i hate that i'm just like ah i just want to go back in time and be like hey you know i get like it is stressful to try to make a story and like try to meet timelines especially during covid right now and like we don't know what the situation is that they're going through and i'm just like ah i wish i could just be like let me go back and tell them like hey you just missed this little part or hey like just look over this real quick and like redo this real quick you know just take a second if you can just to redo it a little bit because then you won't have these like little mishaps (laughs) so 
But let's move on <laughs> to I uh, to a better part of the story. I know some people had a little more controversy for, but I actually really enjoyed it with the Stanford. Are we talking movies. about the Cuckoo's costume? Yeah, that was like the best part of the story. <laughs> I mean, that was That's good super too. Nice for sure. Yeah, that outfit. That was the only thing I really liked about that part. <laughs> I like that they. I like that they had the girl get revenge on her father, like abusive father. Like I thought that was. I know it, it was kind of strange and kind of random this story is to the marauders it's but the I, for me it's it's the execution but i appreciate what like they're trying to do like have them have the cuckoos kind of be heroes in a sense in their own like twisted kind of way yeah it's just like yeah i <laughs> I, I get what you're saying, but it doesn't it doesn't work, right? Like they're not heroes. No. They're extremely unheroic. I mean, like, yes, they're like yes, they're getting revenge on an abuser, but like they're not, you know, they just attacked a guy in the street who was kind of bigoted, you know, and like I get that, that's fine. But like the the Will the Willomina thing, like it was done so poorly when it was introduced. When they addressed her trauma the last time we saw her, you know, she was a little girl in like this infantilizing clothes, but to have her just shift to directly into this like bad girl almost like lolita-ish character with the the big old glasses and the torn jeans and the midriff shirt like i get it but how old is she and like what are we doing here like what are we trying to tell with this outfit change it's it's strange and doesn't feel right with the way that it's been handled so far this whole plot and for me it just keeps being uncomfortable and it's not it's not the fact that somebody confronting their trauma is uncomfortable or getting revenge on their mm-hmm. abuser is uncomfortable it's the treatment of Wilhelmina in general yeah. it's just like strange and it doesn't work for me and it has overtones that feel I don't know not conducive to telling the story I, mean, I definitely get that it's very valid I feel like I look at it with more I feel like I look at this whole issue more with rogue because they're glasses <laughs> <laughs> and they're just like oh this is i like this plot and i like that they're doing like good things and they're beating up the bad guys so yeah. fun it's but okay then, to like it like i'm, I'm yeah. absolutely not gonna step all over that oh no but i'm like saying once you read it like a second time but like and you really think about it more just not surface level like yay the bad guys are losing then you're like oh maybe that could have been better like maybe that could have been executed better maybe that could have been explored better than in like three pages yeah so, i don't even know how well, to talk about this because i feel like every time i talk about wilhelmina's outfit i sound like i'm just like attacking her or her choices and it's like anybody can do whatever they want but it just it feels weird because it's coming from duggan you know it's not coming from it's not coming from any woman (laughs) no i mean even if it didn't even if it came from a woman it's the fact that it didn't have that moment to we didn't get that transition time yeah it needed it needed more space just more breathing room i don't know what this story needs but i just don't i don't like it it needs to go away like i just don't I'm sorry. I don't like the the whole premise of it. I don't like to excuse racism because of trauma. Yeah, and like she was abused, so that's why she's evil yeah. and psychotic. Yeah. Excuse me. Oh yeah, I can that's see real that. Fucked yeah. Up. So sorry, I'm getting mad about it. Your turn. No, you're fine. Okay. But I'm like, that's true. like, but like that whole storyline. I can't even. Yeah get past that point and cool i mean it would be cool if the uh, villain actually came to it on their own but like she couldn't even come to it on her own she had to have telepathic like manipulation so, so you have telepathic manipulation it, it just adds to the whole icky grossness of the whole concept to the end yeah i didn't even see it like that before wow yeah i didn't see that well you know the art was sorry nice. <laughs> the, like, the cuckoos the, were the cuckoos look so amazing. good they you know 
know, it's fantastic. I like these outfits. I do want them to come back. I want to see like a group once we like people are going to cons now, but like once we see more like X Men conventions, maybe like a group of triplets or just a group of friends that like can all get you know blonde wigs and are kind of the same height. I want them to <laughs> cosplay this outfit and and just look really like kind of like Silence of the Lamb ish and just like really freaky and that'd be really cool. Like get like some weird color contacts or something. I don't know, but I I feel like that'd be a really cool look and good pictures. <laughs> <laughs> I would just love one of these little I, I, I just love all the outfits in the modern era that have like train conductor straps across the front like <laughs> yes like Gambit, Rogue, uh, everybody in Otherworld get, gets those because you just get straps and buttons when you're in Otherworld. That's what happens when you go to the Ren Fair. But, or turn into a dragon. Yes, or turn into a dragon, which I, I guess the Cuckoos kind of did. <laughs> I want the buttons and belts and whistles so like, you can yeah, do, do like a dragon that. rod we can ride you around all day that sounded a lot better in my head when I started to say it So, what do you, what do you think about Duggan having the cuckoos punch that guy's teeth out, forget math, and then relearn it like, is this, uh, is this is this them being strong against bigots or is this like a moment that we're supposed to feel as sinister because the art seems to imply, or at least the tone of it overall, maybe it was just because I was so put off by the whole like either suicide or murder of Wilhelmina's father behind them, the splat, and then the walking down the street. Maybe it's just because it feels like a damn Deadpool comic to me, but I cannot figure out the tone for that. I, I don't feel like he should have killed himself. That I thought that was not a good point because, I mean, he was a bad person, yeah. but I feel like it was it was too quick. It yes, was, it, it was, it was too it's quick. It's also unambiguous, or it's, it's also yeah. ambiguous as to whether he killed himself or she pushed him out like she did her mom. You know, it's like, yeah. what are they trying to tell us here? I yeah. assume that then, she pushed them out. I yeah. assumed the opposite, and I also saw. The <laughs> I assumed the opposite, and I think this is an art versus narrative thing again. Yeah, yeah. and I think with the I can well, the one thing I can say about the them punching the big and making them relearn uh, take away math and relearn math. I think it was supposed to be like they're this is them trying to be heroes, trying to do the good thing with the young girl and her abuser, and then punching yeah. the big and doing that. But then we see them not doing it correctly. Like this isn't supposed to be. I guess this is why it feels icky because it's supposed to feel icky, maybe. And I feel like it like again longevity could have maybe helped us understand that more maybe it doesn't, just yeah. this than just assuming but yeah they're, we're supposed to see them trying to be like better because Krakoa was better but they still don't know how to because they're doing it in like the most manipulative you know not not constructive very like harmful to themselves as well because consequences are probably going to happen from this and that's kind of who they are too like part of it is like i love to see like a really beaten down mutant fight back and I like to see a mutant take power for themselves but when I see like a white blonde blue eyed extremely elitist rich child mutant mm -hmm. do this kind of thing like it has a whole different look to it you know it has a whole yeah. different coding to it it has a very like superior to you feel to it when it comes from specifically this kind of character I think they I were think. trying to be their moms but doing Which it is, badly well, but doing it really badly and not even as anywhere near as fabulous I agree they completely failed to capture the Emma magic there. I think that was the point, though, is that I think they are a little bit more sinister than their mom. And like, they are. It, it is oh, like yeah. it was just like supposed to be a test of character. Back to really broad comedy that I think is lazy. I wish comic writers would get it through their head that not all of us hate math. I get that. Like, yeah, that's <laughs> fine. A lot of people had a hard time with it or school or whatever. But like, you know, that's just extremely broad. That's just just like across the board. What are people not like? What are people afraid of clowns? What are people we not stand like a math, math lover. So I, good. I am. I am a math lover, but also like I'm not afraid of clowns. So. A lot of shit doesn't land. <laughs> 
In actual defense of that, I do like math, but almost every other person I meet hates math, and I don't understand why. But that's yeah. something people say. Like, like yeah, maybe it's maybe. popular to hate math because it's also maybe. popular to be afraid of clowns. So. I mean, it is. It is popular to do all. I'd only be afraid things. of a clown if they like showed up in my ring doorbell. Like, in the I mean, yeah, the night, but like, that, I, I would be afraid yeah. of anyone doing that, though. Yeah, it's also easy to say that Sean Cassidy is the name of seventeen different people in your local. Area area of ireland so whatever i guess yeah that was yeah that was i didn't get get that joke ultimately irish american but like i had to reread it i was like what did they say i don't get that and i I was like oh it's an irish joke i read it a couple times but i like is that like a thing where like john like john's like smith like i guess there's there are a lot of johns in america so maybe it's a little sean no this is just (laughs) john and this issue and he was like what is the ethnicity that i can safely make jokes about and that's what he landed Mm. on i mean yeah, I guess. I so. guess it's better than any other choice he could have made, genuinely, given true. his history. But true, true. Why not just make jokes about flat scans? Like, I mean, yeah, I'm okay with that. I mean, honestly, I I want more longevity communication between the characters, and I want them to stay in the book and stay together. And I don't want them to fight any more of the mutant machine people. And I and I, and I want to get out of um, Madripoor, and I want something else. I feel like we've been in here too long. And I get that that's like a major plot point and we're trying to fix that, like fix Mandrapur or whatever. And I understand that, but I need the Marauders to find their next arc and their next mission and mm-hmm. to really come yeah. into that. Because I feel like every book has that, you know, like Sword has like the space planet Erico and all the new metal. X-Corp has, you know, their business or whatever. Um, Excalibur even is trying to do, you know, more of the Captain Britons and fix England, I guess. And like they all have have like their own little things and i feel like marauders has been in the same thing since book number one basically and years now yeah Yeah. and i just we need to move on because that's another reason why it's like oh they're here again they haven't run out of the machine people yet (laughs) like like, that's a hard place to take seriously though because like they can't even tell that wolverine is patch just because he put on an eye patch and a suit felicia hardy can so maybe they're all just like (laughs) pretending for his benefit Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that makes them really sweet people. And I would like to see this book, <laughs> I would like to see this book make good on its central premise, which is like yeah. seeing them smuggle mutants out of countries in which it's not safe, being the refugee people. I mean, like I get that there's black market stuff going on all around, but like we've seen, I don't know, four issues out of twenty three that dealt with that. I thought oh. the point of Marauders was that. That was. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I I no, I'm like I know. <laughs> I'm like, oh, there's two things I really want. I want like like the the main serious thing is we were presented with a mystery about Kate Pride, namely like why she can't go through the Krakoan gate, and that has been completely dropped, and there's mm-hmm. been no moving forward of that arc at all. Oh no, they they, they resolved that actually. They, no, they they resolved it, but in yeah. a weird way. They were like, oh, it's because Emma said something. Like Emma helped her because her. But mom, it was her, so like like anticlimactic that you like, was like it they didn't, didn't feel it like it was a advance, resolution. I think it feels yeah. very much like they had to pull something out there. Like, we didn't really, we thought we'd figure it out. And it's just like, well, we now we have to 
answer it because people are demanding an answer. Yeah. And I, and I also want to see an arc where Iceman hooks up with Banshee. And he- I thought you said Bishop. I was like, no, I think Bishop is straight, but Banshee. Also Banshee but like, <laughs> I mean, but Banshee has a been can dream. As far Banshee as we know, been... I've never heard Bishop or Banshee say I am straight. <laughs> That's true, though. As you pointed out. And and Bishop is, like, super from the future. So I'm like, I feel like everyone's, like... Bisexual in the future? Cool. Everyone's, like, pan Pan right? I hope so. Like, that's what I'm hoping. But, Drew, what are you hoping from Marauders? I kind of want there to be, like, again, the characters to be, like, more rooted in this. And, like, a more streamlined plot. Like, in the sense where it's, like, it leads into the next issue. And We, all four of us, have been constructively criticizing this book for almost an hour because because i mean we love it so much you know we love the x the krakoa era so much that we want you know things that aren't you know 100 percent perfect to be that you know we we want it to be as good as it can be because this era this concept this whole like hox pox and on is such a great moment for the mutants that whenever something isn't 100 percent you know perfect we get a little irritated and we're like no but it needs to be this way and i mean all the points are valid it's a valid irritation it's constructive criticism but i want to just tell everyone that is listening so far <laughs> that this is why we're saying that and i feel like that's why most of twitter uh, besides you know the mostly negative ones are like this as well because this is an era where we're getting so much of what we want when we don't get something we like or don't want we're like i don't like this i don't want it please go away but it's still in a sense valid yeah yeah i would take this entire kirkoan era over any comic from 2005 so i mean you're right you're right that's all that's all i wanted to say just you know we're not hating on gary or anybody we're trying to voice our opinion and be helpful if they listen which you know don't hate us don't block us and hate us if you listen <laughs> no dm me I, i'll help you <laughs> no but i'll be honest like we know they know how to, we know he knows how to write a great marauders team because he oh, did yeah. it in savage avengers <laughs> when they showed up yeah he wrote a really great appearance of the marauders in savage avengers and i was like holy shit this is what i need in marauders no the marauders has savage avengers. enjoyed greatly in the past it's just yeah i, yeah. I want to see that level of excellence maintained that's what that's what i really want out of this book yeah read savage avengers and read the new current x-men solo if you really want to see the longevity well not x-men x-men's only two issues but really the longevity that gary can do with characters and i think you guys i think you guys are right though it has to do with it doesn't have a focus right now like Mm -hmm. there's no focus like a lot of these other series are moving towards a arc for inferno that you can see the projection for it Mm -hmm. like but i can't see the trajectory is what i was trying to say i can't see the trajectory for inferno for marauders and from what we understand, there's going to be like a whole line wide reboot anyway after Marauder. So, like, everything's going to get reshuffled and everything anyway. So. Hey everybody, Nico here again. Now, okay, so Trial of Magneto was such a big deal and we all couldn't stop thinking about it and talking about it and as is policy here on Exodus for Podcast, when there's a big bit of canon worth discussing, we discuss it. So here for you guys is another take on exactly what it meant that the Trial of Magneto didn't just start, but it has ripped through the pages of the X-Men, changing everything we know about Krakow and Harmony forever. Hey everybody, welcome back to Exes for Podcast, the show where we take a look at comics, mutants, magic, and Marvels week after week through their many monthly titles. I'm Nico, and you guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram at NicoAction. That's N-I-C-O-A-C-T-I-O-N. 
And I'm Arturo. You can find me at Mr. Toybox on Twitter and Instagram. Hi, I'm Juancho. You can find me on Twitter at Lesson Hi, I'm Steve, and you can find me on Twitter at HowdyDuda. And I'm Jonah. You can follow me over on Twitter and Instagram at PeakJonah. That's P-E-A-K. And we hope you survived this experience just like Lorna did surviving this confrontation with her father. But you failed. Your efforts backfired, and you only made me stronger. Aha! Your tasers only make me stronger. So um, I need to start with this was like my pick of the month. So I'm really protective of this book, but I do see its flaws. And I am going to open up with, of course, we're talking about Trial of Magneto number one by the incredible team of Leah Williams and Lucas Wernick, as well as Edgar Delgado coming in on colors. VC's Clayton Cowles bringing it every time over on letters. And I want to start with, there are so few things in life as emotionally fulfilling as reading a woman get to write someone crushing Xavier's head. That was so much Magneto just swallowing it for the last two years in one panel. But anyway, I'm so excited. How I, That's first, first opinions. Up, down, two ups, up, down. Arturo, how did you feel about this book? Where was your heart in this book? Uh, I'm still stuck on Magneto swallowing it for two years. Um, so forgive me. That threw me. I, you know, I'm a first and foremost, a Magneto apologist. So, you know, this, this is a kangaroo court. This is a mockery of justice. And I will defeat our sweet grandfather with the last breath in my body. No, seriously though this is great it's been a hell of a lead up with the gala behind us and the death of the scarlet witch this is like big stuff this is big stakes and i think we're off to a great start i love the artwork i loved leah's writing i love all the pontifications shout out to the letterer for being able to really work with some of these almost claremontian diatribes I loved it. Now, Juancho, how did you feel um, about this book? Was that uh, a big a big thumbs up for you? Big thumbs yeah, down? No, big thumbs up. I, I thought it was great. Leo was fantastic on writing. And I really, really enjoyed this new artist, Lucas. Well, he did already. On, he worked on Empire. But this was like a lot better and really, really good. And I just like Arturo, I love everybody giving big old speeches, just like the 70s and 80s. And I thought it was fantastic. I think you can tell where this is going. Steve, I'm pivoting to you next. You are always, when you do have a counter opinion, you're always like, well, I just want to explain why. And so I'm ready if you do have some feels, but I'm also ready if you don't. Well, first of all, I would like to ask that everybody please respect my privacy in this difficult time while my boyfriend is on trial. It's very much stressing (laughs) me out, but since we're here already to talk about it, I'd just like to say that I'm thrilled with this book so far. It is very exciting and it very also stresses me out. You mentioned Magneto putting his magnet hand on Xavier and honestly that just like that made me very freaked out I was like this is he should not be I know that he's very upset and he's right to be very upset I am not a fan of his other husband but man it's it's rough working together as such a power team whether or not they've been doing good things that's another question for the last two years I was I was very upset to see that to be honest but it also it also reminded me of the fact that Xavier has trusted Magneto so implicitly for so long that he's taken to wearing a metal hat around his skull all the time around him and I'm like like, man, I forgot how close they are now. It's, and what a copy know, of a, Magneto that is. Exciting issue. Oh, I have mm-hmm. a great echo. Yeah. But what a- <laughs> 
I, I really like seeing uh, Magneto go full Silver Age again for a brief bit. I feel like this is a bit of a misdirect because, you know, he's he's a very dramatic person. He knows what he looks like. But yeah, absolutely thrilled to see where this is going. It yeah. was, I, I agree, it was tough seeing the, the happily married couple that they have become. Having them have this big spat in front of the council was, was not easy to watch, but it was entertaining. It yeah, is entertaining. Great, I thought it was fantastic to see. From a, because because I, conflict I is more Xavier interesting. Standpoint. Oh, yeah. From the conflict being fascinating and the simultaneous hating Xavier standpoint, these are all true. And Jonah, speaking of enjoying conflict and loving watching drama, this was sort of the Magneto you left behind when we stopped covering the 1980s, leading off in 1984, just after the Secret Wars. Well, Magneto not quite redeemed, still kind of being like, Magnet in the face, bitch! Magnet in the face, asshole! Very, you know, problem Magneto, as he was. <laughs> so, I want to know, did you enjoy seeing, you know, Muscle Granddad go back to being like a big, angry, mean man? Or are you like, no, that's Daddy Maggie? I enjoy Magneto in both of those roles. I think those both of those roles can coincide together. They're not really one-to-one of you have to pick one Magneto. You can have Magneto be the really hot silver fox who was like showering naked under that waterfall in that one panel for a while ago. And it was absolutely, you know, gorgeous and stunning. And uh, everybody, even from his first iterations, when they're on that, the Sentinel head and Magneto has his base there and all the X-Men go there and Storm's like, should I stab Magneto? And Magneto is just ripped God. And he's just like, oh, like that. And you're all like, no, Storm, we know what you want to do. And we all, we all know what we would do. If you're all looking for that hot ass porn content, we're talking Uncanny X-Men number 150 back when Magneto was still... (laughs) Kind of a bad guy, but laying around naked all the time like a real bad guy. Yeah, nobody in the X-Men sleeps with clothes on. (laughs) Magneto Magneto is a versatile king. He he is both things. He is he is the grandfather of Krakoa, beloved by the youth and you know, and and a, a living legend. And he's also a badass motherfucker who will kill a bitch or many 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 bitches he's the christian ronaldo of mutancy if you will right there's just (laughs) statues to him all over the world when he says don't drink soda it all falls the fuck apart pepsi has to go into bankruptcy so also now i want to write the uh the musical don't cry for me krakoa i could slap you i love that so much obviously magneto would be playing eva peron (laughs) don't cry Uh, for me arbor magna don't cry for me arbor magna as I said, it's not a one-to-one. We can see Magneto kind of get angry, kind of get mean, and kind of get this power trippy a little bit of like, I, I kind of really loved, and I don't know if it was because of the meme of how popular the line was from Endgame, but the, no, I don't think I will, which is really funny. It yeah. was like re- really good. And it's kind of like, yeah, if Magneto doesn't want to go, he doesn't really have to go. There were really, there's some really amazing things and components of this book that I really like, and I'm really excited to continue reading about. I love the x Factor investigation part of everybody coming together to use their powers to be like all come to the same conclusion of our prime suspect being Magneto I love Magneto fighting being like no and clearly I do think it's a a big misdirect it's gotta be otherwise this is a poorly staged foregone conclusion yeah that would be so bad it It would be so bad (laughs) like oh yeah it was obviously Magneto that's why he put on the terrorist clothes (laughs) and you know what I just gotta say I love seeing the X-Factor kids Uh, I mean hey unless this is the first time you've ever heard my voice on a podcast you know how much i love that team and how devastated i still am by the cancellation seeing them out there doing their jobs and just killing it and you know prodigies like going to solve this whole 
whole damn mystery. Just awesome. I, I was just so happy to see them still as a unit, still working and still existing in, in Krakoa. And that's exactly what I was going to touch on. But I thought there was something really dynamically unique about this presentation of the X Factor team. It had something that I guess I never realized it needed before. It needs the whole Logan family. I cannot get remotely emotionally enough of seeing Laura. It's not the whole Logan family. We're missing one person. We're missing Gabby. Gabby. And Jonathan. Ooh. And, you know, I don't want to be, like, annoying, but, you know, there are some other really cool Wolverine characters that maybe aren't related but could hang out with them. It wouldn't bother me. But, you know, I loved Leah Williams saying, look, this is the trial of Magneto, and I have the breadth of the Marvel Universe at my fingertips. This is a big book. And, you know, I'm sure there would have been some editorial pushback somewhere. But she said, I want to write a story with internal logic because if we're solving a trial here, if we're doing an investigation, it needs internal logic. The fact that page one kicks off with the best trackers on Krakoa joining X Factor says to me that Leah has plotted this whole thing out in, a, in, in like a big sprawling way. And that opening sequence where Rachel shines so dynamically and we get such terrific dialogue of, from the interaction. I'm wondering how much we're going to need to go back and investigate some of the elements. For instance, they have her time of death wrong, according to the other books. They place her time of death prior to subsequent appearances she has on the island. So I find myself wondering how intricate these clues were. How do you guys feel about playing detective along with, as Arturo pointed out, you know, this genius lineup? How do you feel about playing detective along with them? Are you engaged in the mystery or are you here for the fun times? Both. I'm very engaged with the mystery. I, you know, be as soon as we heard of the trial of Magneto, before we even knew it was Scarlet Witch, there were theories, right? You know, Mystique, Exodus, Charles Xavier, Onslaught for all the hell we know. Like there are so many different potential players. Maybe the misdirect is that it was Magneto all along. I don't think that's the case, but I'm I'm here for the mystery. I'm here for it seeming obvious and that makes it clear that it is not obvious and i'm also here for the fact that leah and god bless her leah takes the time to give you these like little tender moments where you're reminded that these are not just colleagues that work together on teams but their family logan calling akiro son my heart like that just that to me was like just outstanding lorna and eric going for it like that whole thing and the callback back to to when she asked him to describe herself back in the pages of x factor just masterful work and again like leah has this huge assignment this big story to tell but still takes the time to make these small moments that just mean a lot i really like this going in order thing it takes a lot of pressure off of me so Juancho, you're up so i want to talk about two things that um that i really like first is the party the people on Krakoa celebrating the death of the scarlet witch which was very funny and we got to see all of exodus little cult that was very funny for me and especially someone who isn't like so attached to the scarlet witch because i just read uncanny avengers big mistake don't read it 
And yeah. <laughs> and the other part that I really, really enjoyed was the voting when they voted to resurrect her because that whole dialogue is making implicit that Krakoa and the five can resurrect humans. They just choose not to. And I think that's going to be very important going forward, not just for this story, but for whatever comes next uh, for Krakoa post Inferno. And it also gives us a glimpse of what actually happened in Hellions for the Maddie vote. Who voted to resurrect Maddie and who voted against it? I thought it was very surprising that Storm voted against resurrecting one. I thought that was very interesting. Hey, Storm and, is practical, just like Emma Frost. They, yeah, you know. and I thought that Emma was. This was my favorite line. The issue was Emma just will be finally losing a world free of Wanda. Like she's wanted to kill Wanda for like twenty years now. And I thought that was great, very in character. It goes back to like the decimation when they were, you know, sitting around with the Avengers discussing how to handle the problem of Wanda and yeah, Emma and Frost was like yeah just kill her be yeah. done with it and 20 years later we have another great scene and yeah I thought yeah. that was great I do want to challenge one thing you said though I don't think that they can resurrect humans they've created this little loophole where Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch although they are not mutants they did fool Cerebro long enough that there's backups there so I think they're like in their own little category I don't think this opens it all up to everybody although potentially of course they probably could but there's no reason to believe cerebro is recording the minds and essences of every single person on on earth maybe i reject the human thing but i think the i think resurrecting old backups of wanda and pietro opens up like a lot of cool possibilities and it's a nice way of fixing two kind of broken characters through no fault of their own i was gonna refute your refutal but you're actually right because they are both one and Pietro have are special in that they're basically the only two humans that have backups. Nobody, we, we don't know yet, but supposedly they're the only two. And yeah, it would be very cool if, let's say, the version that we got with us, Wanda pre uh, House of M, if Wanda was to be resurrected, what what would happen on Krakoa for a person that hasn't done all those awful things? That well, I mean, did. that would be restoring her to a backup before it. And I, I do get the question. The same thing happened with Tony Stark with Extremis. He restarted himself to a previous version. You are still responsible uh, for the things you don't remember. When Magneto was put but on trial for a version of his life originally. Well, no, but she's still done them. This one hasn't memories of it, but Wanda Maximoff still did it. So even if she has no memory of it, because that part of her memory is gone, Wanda Maximoff still did that. And it's the same thing that happened with Trial of Jean Grey when they tried Jean Grey for oh, yeah. the crimes of the Phoenix. Yeah. So in the Marvel Universe, even if you have no memory of it, even if you haven't done it yet, you can be tried. You yeah. did it. So Steve, Jonah, I want to ask you guys, how do you guys feel about the investigation and where we've come with the council having some perturby moments? Mm. Well, I think the investigation part is extremely cool. I like the idea of all of the mutants on Krakoa, or at least the ones that we see in the pages of popular X-Books, coming together to use each of their unique talents to work together on a crime scene. It's the way that like X-Factor would have worked had it been larger and longer. So I am enjoying getting to see that. <laughs> so North is not around to tell iBoy to stop telling Beast all of his powers, and that's alarming. He's just willy-nilly telling him what he can do, and Beast is just like, hmm, let me write that down for later war crimes. 
So that's not that's not great. Uh, <laughs> the investigation is interesting, right? Because they made a really good point that like none of those, not all those mutants should be there present watching the autopsy. Like Lorna Dane, who also has metal powers and conveniently was never considered a suspect because she was like, give me a head start. I'll go get Magneto. People with supernatural metal bending powers at the scene of a crime where that is allegedly what, what killed Wanda. It's, yeah, I don't know. Uh, there's a lot of potential for fuckery around here. Uh, I like Mystique bringing up that Eric might be responsible for Wanda's death before they even knew that there was metal involved, you know. Now, Jonah, you're very protective of your daddy, Magnus. How do you feel about the investigation? Do you feel it's been a a fair investigation so far? Or do you feel that there are some things that maybe aren't making sense? There are some things that aren't making sense. I want to go back, not even in just this book, in a lot of books, Way of X is one that's coming to mind right now. We saw a lot of in the background focus on on Magneto and Wanda off in the distance. In Way of X, they were dancing off while Kurt was passed out drunk. Then a couple of other issues, we did see them together. So a lot of what is being pointed at is like Magneto is the killer. Magneto is the one who done it. But I don't know if I can fully believe that, especially I'm not always someone who believes the, well, where there's smoke, there's fire to say that someone acting defensive and upset over something means that they did something bad or that they are the culprit. It's not always fair because people always react to different things under in different ways. I am of the mindset that while I don't think Magneto did it, Magneto definitely knows something because if Magneto didn't do it and was fully innocent, there's no reason for Magneto not to submit to a psychic scan being like, here, check me. I'm clear. I can tell you exactly when I left. I can show you exactly what happened. So there's a, I think there's a specific reason why Magneto doesn't and isn't actually denying it because I feel like whether this was a plan from Wanda, whether this was a plan from somebody else, whether it's he knows who did do it and doesn't want to name them. There are a lot of different possibilities here that I'm really excited to see whether they do come to fruition or something completely different that I didn't think of. I do appreciate the X Factor team doing their due diligence of understanding like Magneto is number one because he was the last person seen with her and there are signs of him potentially using his powers. And especially the the method of death seems a lot more personal than a random someone trying to kill Wanda would do. But I think there are a lot of people who would be out to get Wanda who would make it personal and who could manipulate metal even if they aren't metallic benders slash masters of magnetism I think there's a lot to keep in mind and I I encourage everyone look for more clues we can figure this out yeah and I think it's very interesting that I mean Wanda at the end they mentioned like the white cape and Wanda is completely white at the end of the issue I'm not saying Wanda killed herself but it's a possibility she's killed in a different way in her perspective than we see happening in the autopsy so either the autopsy is wrong or Wanda remembers it differently or, or something else she you know she can manipulate reality so yes and yeah I, I yeah. there's plenty totally. of people with white capes that could have done this Emma Frost and I'm thinking Magneto mm-hmm. besides Emma and the Cuckoos Magneto was the only person that had two outfits for the Hellfire Gala because he had the gold golden white that he wore with Xavier and then he switched to that like white costume he's been wearing for the dance and we know that Wanda was killed before the dance or at least that's what the time implies. So Magneto was not really wearing a white cape. I think it was a gold cape, or at least it had some gold. And maybe that's, maybe that's, I'm just reading too much into it, but it could be a thing. I, 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 I think, I think, I think, I think, 
I think Scarlet Witch having a hand in it is is a really high likelihood. I think one of the cool things that is coming out of this book is instead of doing the resurrection, which I think we kind of maybe a lot of us were guessing that might be what's happening and seeing that old version backup of Wanda, which could have been a cool way to quote unquote fix the character. I think it's really cool that one, that was voted down. And two, she's kind of seems like resurrecting herself. And as a reality warper, it's like, okay, who knows where this is all leading, but maybe this is like, you know, a butterfly coming out of a cocoon type of situation where she is going to be able to fix herself rather than being fixed by the resurrection. Can we, can we talk about where she is? Okay, yeah. So I have, oh, a question. A... I have a question for everybody. I need to know. I need to know. Okay, there's that page with the symbol. Right, and you can't really make it out because I'm holding up a screen, but it's got the symbols, it's right? The yeah, yeah. The, the top one. I want to talk about that. Eight spokes. The next one. It's an eight-pointed chaos star. And then we have the third at the bottom, which I can't help but see as trees. And yep, I, trees on a planet. Trees I on an asteroid. Greatly wonder if part of why the Phoenix has moved to Avengers and S.W.O.R.D. is using the White Hot Room is because they are repurposing what the White Hot Room is in Krakoa, and I have to wonder if this is all part of that. Now I have to hear everybody else's opinions. I have to know what everybody's theory is. I'm excited about it. It's, I mean, it seems clearly the White Hot Room, which we saw previously connected in S.W.O.R.D. to the Mysterium, which we see all over the page with Wanda. In that issue, we clearly see that the White Hot Room is not only mutant heaven or phoenix heaven, but like actual heaven, because there's an over him in it. I don't actually know what the singular for opening is. I'm sorry, but it's an angel. And like, it is a real mystical, metaphysical heaven dimension, similar to, I think, the below place, you know, but an above place. And it's very interesting to me what Al Ewing and others have been doing with it. It's interesting to me what Jason Aaron is doing with the Phoenix in relation to it. We know that when the Phoenix is in the white hot room, they are always wearing white. So that explains why Wanda's wearing it, in addition to the whole mystery of the white caped attacker. I keep coming back to the eight pointed chaos star because we just talked about this in Defenders number one very recently um, but you know Wanda's whole element is chaos that clearly is a representative of her as you see it going to five spokes I see it going to more of a horizon and then when it becomes like you said it's the color of cartoon trees it's, it's a strangely crude drawing almost it's very like, like Minecraft graphical <laughs> in the way that these data pages are yeah it's very Minecraft but to me that represents something that looks like a planet or a place with trees on it like Krakoa An or island. like Asteroid K that we saw in Powers of X that like Asteroid Krakoa orbiting outside of Mars it could represent the terraforming of Mars there's a lot going on there and I'm just like this is just what does it say where am I in just cursive typing there's Wait, so much where am I? I think I, I figured it out so the number of spokes are eight, five, and three, which are part of the Fibonacci oh, sequence. Damn. And if you graph yeah. the Fibonacci sequence, it cre- helps create a perfect spiral. Spiral? Spirals in the oh Mojo verse. Mojo did it. All right, well, if, baby, we're so close to the Mojo thing. <laughs> But I do love that you brought in the Fibonacci sequence. That is some real good uh, math brain decoding, right? Which, yes. you know, mad good. Wait, I, I can I can tell you guys one place I know Wanda where she is not, and that is at the Green Lagoon, drinking with the old brotherhood of mutants, evil mutants at that. Broke my heart. I love that little scene, seeing Quicksilver and Toad and Blob together, like, beautiful. Such an emotional gut punch. I showed the scenes just with Quicksilver in this book to a friend of mine just this morning that I'm at his house, and uh, literally brought him to tears. Oh, I, you know what almost brought me to tears? Quicksilver's big fat ass when Northstar is hugging him 
and consoling and, yeah, him. It's, it's, oh, my wow. my thick boy. That's how a runner should be built. Yeah, he runs a lot. <laughs> okay, Juancho, everybody's rung in with their opinion. We have yeah. Steve and I in a pretty similar place. We have Arturo bringing in some interesting things. We have Jonah on planet Jonah. <laughs> Just say it. But then yeah, so Juancho, what is your what is your take on where Juanda is? Uh I actually hope it's not the White Heart Room because I'm really tired of Marvel using the Phoenix Phoenix stuff for non-Phoenix stuff. So I'm actually with you on that. Sorry. Okay, no, now I'm into it. Now I'm into it. <laughs> like I'm with like, you on I, that part. Yeah. So and I don't think she's in the White Heart Room either. But it's very interesting that the wheels, like it could be that the eight spoke wheel split into two and one one that is her body is in Krakoa like the trees and like her essence or her metaphysical essence is somewhere else and that's why we have two different wheels like though eight spoke broke off in, in two parts like I don't know much about like symbology and all that but I, that's how I read it when you were talking about the trees and like one is split somehow it's like a zooming in and she knows she's split and like one that is sort of split because she knows she's dead but she's also kind of alive at the same time because it's like two one that's going somewhere doesn't floating it, around somewhere doesn't it look like she stabbed herself like another version of the same white costumes but with a hood like Moon Knight yep. well, yeah, that'll, I mean, be, the, that'll be that's going to be the evil Wanda that's responsible for all of the bad things her name is Wanda perfection. has ever done and once once we defeat her then 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 good I mean, Wanda will be restored I hope that doesn't happen because that would be just like Jean from X Factor like she's not Jean but she was an alien being and I don't think that was very fun like I I think Wanda doing bad things is better than erasing her bad stuff. I agree. I have one kind of split down the middle because I've had a I've had a, a thought for a couple of years, and when Wanda kind of got shuffled to the back of the deck, I really didn't think about it much. But what if she was a mute? What if she and Quicksilver were mutes? But we know that the energy that she destroyed when she emdayed had to go somewhere, and then we found out it went into space into the collective man he became weapon omega what the fuck ever i don't care but what i do think is important about this is we do understand that the siphoning off of, of mutant energy as it was by her spell had real life implications what if she and quicksilver became not mutes and that is why they fooled cerebro for so long because they were fucking mutants and they're determining, based on information now, that information in the past was incorrect. What if this is a manifestation of Wanda's mutant essence trying to put itself back in her? That is not outside of the scope of what they literally defined her actions on M-Day as. Siphoning the mutant energy out of people and releasing it into the Aether. So it's kind of an interesting thought that maybe this is somewhere in between erasing her sins and restarting her. Awesome. And ooh, ooh, this made me think of Franklin Richards. I mean, when it comes to like reality warping mm-hmm. Omega level mutants, and I don't know if Wanda's technically Omega level, but I mean, I'd I say wiping out be. the entire mutant population would, you know, qualify her as. If not, change uh, your fucking definition. Yeah, I mean, you know, like if you can alter reality, then like you can certainly alter your DNA or whatever. Maybe we get Wanda and Pietro back into mutant kind, and maybe eventually that ushers in, you know, 
Daniel Franklin's return. We can dream. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know that for whatever reason they chose to make Franklin not a mutant. I don't know that it could have come at a worse time. It just, you know, it it so cut the character off from such a big idea. And it's, I don't think there's a single person on this show who hasn't said it's a shame at least 10 times. So I don't want to just keep harping because I sound redundant. But things that are not redundant. We just had the first of a five-issue miniseries change the status quo of Kurokoa in a way that has not occurred. Yet, Ten of Swords didn't change the status quo of Krakoa because the Iraqi were kept so far away and so removed. And that was something we said a number of times. This directly changes everything. If Magneto and Xavier have a breakup, the power dynamic is no longer Xavier and everyone else. You know what I mean? It's no longer, oh, he's got Storm on his side and Magneto on his side and they'll always back him up. Suddenly, there's kind of a power vacuum. What do you guys expect from the upcoming issues of this series? And this time we're going to start with Jonah and go back. Jonah, what are you looking for from the further adventures of the trial of Magneto and Phoenix? I am looking for the culprit. Uh, I would hot love take, a really, and I, I trust hot take. Yeah, no, I'm the only person who wants this. I trust the team to really deliver a good mystery into a culprit that is either so obvious we overlooked it, someone who we didn't know, but the clues are there. I'm really looking forward to a lot of different things involving the mystery itself of who done it, who killed Wanda. I'm looking for a lot of change to come from Krakoa of maybe thinking about how, <laughs> whether what Wanda did was terrible, but maybe the cult following of calling her a pretender and then celebrating her death, like ding dong, the witch is dead. You know, maybe we, 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 we visit that and we talk about, hey, maybe we don't do that. How very internet culture. Uh, I know. No, I'm for it. Oh, I would love to know where the this resolution of what are we doing with Wanda? I think we definitely saw it in Empire where Wanda has started to not only regret what she did, but is understanding the gravity of the decision that she did make, whether she was in control of herself or not. She still made the decisions to do what she did, especially during M-Day, and having to suffer the repercussions of what the decision did to her as well as whether or not they're her people or not who's to say but i would love a clear designation for wanda's character going forward i want to say first of all thank you jonah because you said a lot of what i was thinking about wanda that they need to get that settled what i'm looking forward to from the rest of the series is and i'm going to break character a little bit here we have to talk about how shitty and abusive magneto is to everybody in his life everybody he loves from charles to every single one of his children and it's it's a thing that hampers my it, it doesn't hamper my enjoyment of the character i i can't like him as much as i would enjoy, like to like him obviously because he's like one of the world's worst dads uh in love with another one of the world's worst dads but like he needs in order to make his character the hero of Krakoa, the white knight of Krakoa that he wants to be and that fans do often see him as including myself he needs to have accountability for the way that he treats those he loves in his life and it can't just be swept under the rug of magneto was right about these things but we can't talk about his family and i'm seeing that as a huge part of this issue quicksilver shows up wow exciting to me love him but it's just i think that this trial of magneto is really going to be more of a trial of him as him coming to accountability 
responsibility for the way he treats people in his lives, um, more or less. I think that is honestly going to be more of the focus of it, despite being also about the trial of the death of the Scarlet Witch. And that's what I'm excited to see more of. I hope that we can see some kind of moving on or him learning and growing from the way he treats Lorna, because it's uncomfortable and can't, can't keep doing it. It is truly unforgivable. I love that point. Juancho, what are you hoping for from our subsequent issues? I always thought this was more like a trial in the sense of a test more than a legal trial. And I think this is a trial, but just a test, not just for Magneto as a character, and Stephen just perfectly, you know, well, that was really perfectly summarized. And like Krakoa as a, as a whole thing, where we celebrate, I mean, like Jonah was saying, and, and as much as I enjoy seeing those little kids, it's pretty fucked up that they have a massive cult following, celebrating the death of a person. And I think that it's also a way for Krakoa, and given that this is going to come out parallel to Inferno, to how the Quiet Council actually works, and I think that's going to be a massive change that's going to come from these next few months. And that's what I hope to see, like a change in how Krakow evaluates like the morality of what things they've, do- they've done and they're going to do, especially like for Beast, like the war criminal. And if Krakow is a place for healing, Magneto and the rest of the Quiet Council have to allow that healing and not foster hate. And I think that's going to be important to see. And I hope we see it. And I know that Leah can do it. So oh yeah, that, I'm hoping for that. I agree with all of these eloquent points that everybody has made. I'm going to throw a curveball out there. I think the trial of Magneto and the you know, impending crumbling of the very shaky quiet council, plus what is happening over in the latest Hellions is a perfect stage for, wait for it, Chimera. I want to see Joseph resurrected. I want Joseph to take the mantle of North. I want him oh to be, uh, you know, Magneto's son that never was. Maybe, you know, to speak to all the points you guys were making about how Magneto has been such a shitty dad to everybody. Oh, no, I hope he maybe, killed Wanda. <laughs> you know, through Joseph, there is some atonement. <laughs> so that that's really what I want. And one last final thing I want to say. There's sometimes, there's moments where you're reading a comic book and you have a thought and then you go on x twitter and you see somebody else not only had the same thought but did the work of like illustrating it or 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 putting the meme together so shout out to my girlfriend lisa marie for putting the wanda with rose petals right next to sasha Valor doing the epic wig reveal with the showering lisa- rose petals okay because marie. that was exactly lisa chaos marie god love her that is exactly what i was feeling as we got to the those pages all the rose petals everywhere you know shout out to sasha velour for inventing roses i automatically when i hear wig reveal i automatically think it's kimberly pulling her wig off on melrose place and that's just where i go Welcome back to X is for Podcast. Hello, I'm Dame Red Bento, a.k.a. Raven, a.k.a. Sweet Beta. Just trust me, <laughs> look up any of that. You'll find some version of me on the web. D-A-M-E-R-E-D-B-N-T-O. Ta-da! And with us today, we also have Kyle! Hi, I'm Kyle. You can find me on both Twitter and Instagram at Drantis82. That's D-R-A-N-T-I-S-8-2. Also with us is Nathan. 
Hey, it's Nathan. You can find me at Dazzler AOA. I'm Josh Wheel. You can find me on Twitter at Asleep at the Wheel, W E I L, and at Asleep at the Wheel.com. And for the next two years, as the progressive Democrat running for U.S. Senate in the state of Florida, you can find me across social media at Wheel, the number four U.S. Senate, and at JoshWheel.org. This week, Raven Kyle, Nathan, and myself will talk about our favorite moment in a jam packed week of X Men comics. Four new books this week Marauder. Way of X, X Corp, Trial of Magneto, and Trial of Magneto. Yeah, hello. <laughs> Big one. Jamie Madrox getting shot. No, I'm like fair guy fifty nine. Yes. So, so Angel taking his shirt off, obviously for me, was my <laughs> moment of. I knew it. Perfect abs every time. That was the X Corp moment of the week for sure. <laughs> I think for me, and I know this is the final issue, it's a five-issue mini, we've now confirmed. Way of X, this issue, issue five, made the whole run. I think this is going to read phenomenal as a trade. Like, I wish I'd read this whole thing in one sitting, but particularly at the end, just the decisions with the colors or the art or the way you're shading it or the characterization. No, every single member of this creative team on Way of X absolutely hits just simultaneously fucking home runs into orbit. With Fabian Cortez just having an absolute fucking breakdown and Kurt looks at him and says how can you hope for the love of your people when you so plainly despise yourself and Cortez just breaks he grabs Kurt and he says respect this sacred land and he supercharges the fuck out of him how much does he supercharge Kurt he supercharges him so much that then you turn the page and it's a double page splash of Kurt bamfing an entire fucking moon out of the atmosphere and back into its orbit. Mm-hmm. Nice. Is just blew me away. Phenomenal, like in an all around tremendous issue. Just an amazing scene for both of those characters. One that, you know, I love so much and seeing him get just an amazingly epic scaled up moment like that. And the other for one that I like the type of character that, you know, if he was on fire, you wouldn't piss on to help put it out. <laughs> Having like having a meaningful moment. Fabian Cortez got a meaningful comic book moment in the year of our Lord 2021. And the art, everything on it was stunning. It was beautiful. It it blew me away. And, you know, it, my X moment of the month. I loved, 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 loved that scene from Way of X number five. My favorite X moment of the week would have to be Jumbo Carnation kicking some ass. I totally was not expecting him to be part of Emma's attack crew. <laughs> and and just seeing him go at everybody, it was just it was just such a great surprise and I I loved it. Okay, I haven't been able to read that one yet. Does he have any extra powers? No, no, don't worry, don't worry. You're not spoiling anything for me. I'm still gonna read it. I love it that way. I just have to know, does he have powers beyond the forearms, the Teflon skin? Like No, is- no, but the Teflon skin, Teflon mm-hmm. skin, you want to keep that and remember that he has that one. That'll come in. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can't wait. Oh, I can't wait. Oh, I love it. Because, like, I haven't seen too much of him, but he has quickly become one of my favorite background characters. And, like, I read his death and I was like, <laughs> I'm just going to be over here in a corner, like, crying. So, like, I'm like, don't hurt my jumbo baby. Don't hurt my jumbo baby. <laughs> The Jumbo Carnation moment reminded me as a high school teacher 
It reminded me of a scene that I have seen a hundred times, which is someone picking a fight on like the flamboyantly gay kid because they think like he's flamboyantly gay and an easy target and not realizing that that child has been picked on and into more fights than you could imagine. And that boy just whomps his, like just beats the holy hell out of him in front of everyone. It is a scene I have seen so many times. It never gets old. (laughs) And Jumbo had all all of that kind of sass and flair to him uh, and we finally it. got some actual this week confirmation <laughs> that he's lgbt so like i was like yeah it's always was assumed i mean obviously he was but you can't uh, you know like i figured about the <laughs> other day right you gotta like get some anybody confirmation. who emma trusts to make all of her fabulousness must be on the alphabet mafia team i'm just saying i'm just <laughs> saying <laughs> Okay, so this this week was a damn good week for for two different reasons. So my like my like out of universe like it was a really good week for some man candy this week. We had Warren's abs over an X core everywhere. We had two beautiful cakes on display, Banshee and Marauders. Mm. <laughs> and I, I still feel bad about lusting over Pietro when Northstar was hugging him there. But that cake was beautiful. I'm sorry, when you put the cake on display, don't expect me not to look at it. It was beautiful. That was um, a beautiful moment. It was so beautiful. <laughs> the cake. Mm. Writing-wise, I, I would have to say, it's hard for me to pick a specific spot, but there's two or three things in Trial of Magneto that I really love. There was that nice nod to the brotherhood with uh, at the very end where you had Pietro and Blob and Toad and Mastermind all together. That was beautiful. It was like, so good. Holy shit. Like, I was like, fuck yeah. Wanda saying, and I know, Raven, you disagreed on this, but Wanda saying that she's really trying to make up for what she did, and I know she can never make up for it. I I, I don't disagree with it. I just know that she has not showed the work, so no. I agree. I agree with you. It's 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 kind of like you know when you do homework, you get if you don't show your work and you give some bullshit answer over here and it's still the wrong answer. Guess what? Your intention doesn't mean shit. <laughs> you didn't show the work, so no, you're still wrong, and you don't know why. But How I think can the I make best moment. Oh, well, you could you could be a strong ally to you know this nation and you know the goodwill and yeah. the things you they're trying to do. Mm, but how can I? What do if it I made an island of sixteen million zombies and then disappeared when it didn't? go the way i wanted it to go but i think the best moment out of it was lorna's retort to magneto like Mm -hmm. holy shit like when she said i forget the exact line but she she said you leave a wake of dead daughters and wives in your trail like holy Mm -hmm. shit that was i was so proud of lorna williams is so good leah williams is is if not my favorite leah williams is one of my favorite writers in comic today i just leah williams is a writer that I just know at this point not only is it going to be good but I'm going to like be there's going to be something that like makes me physically like vibrating excited happy or just like like she's going to hit me like emotionally at some point like whether it's super excitement or sad like she's going to fuck with my emotions in like a masterful way at some point in those 20 pages always see and I I always try and talk myself down when I see Leah Williams I'm like you know hey you know M. Night Shyamalan started out with a couple of really solid movies and then things went downhill i'm sure at any point she's just gonna fall off the cliff and okay which i like to bring my expectation down because i know every time that i read it it's gonna be so good it's gonna but be that so issue was fucking god oh my epic, god and it had huge moments it had yes. huge epic moments oh. but it still had those 
great small character moments that Leah mm-hmm. is so good at. Oh, yeah, love well, it. Just kiss perfection. Leah knows how to like take you on a journey. You know, you you get these beautiful hills and valleys, and you know, you she really waits to work you up to that point, and then she points you all the way back to the beginning of the journey, and it feels like you zip line up straight to the top all the way again. You're like so exciting, so fucking exciting. I love her, love her work. Which oh yeah, and she I gave guess- us Pietro cakes too. So. <laughs> Happy. <laughs> uh, no, but honestly, my moment of the week, and and I don't think I ever would have thought to say this. My moment of the week was the death of Wanda, and that that kind of very end where she says it's this beautiful splash page of her like falling back into the universe, flowers just kind of spread out around her and emanating from her, and you know she's I know I'm dead, but I'm not. It just oh, I loved it. it. She had built such wonderful tension throughout the book. Mm-hmm. And then to have it center around such an open-ended concept like that. It was such a beautiful moment that promises so much more. And of all the writers I have seen so far, I really want to follow that story and see where she takes it. Because she has, oh, she has such a beautiful way of telling a story. Just delicious. There was a point in that final scene. And it was kind of, for me, I think of it as like the anti-Bendis. So Bendis gets me so frustrated sometimes when I read Bendis books. Because I've been reading comics my entire life and yet like every time I read a Bendis comic at some point like I'll be going through it and I'll have like gotten my panels messed up because he panels like across pages and in directions sometimes in ways that like are not the natural reading order of like the panel and I'm like and I'm reading something and like it doesn't make sense from the panel before and then I realize, I'm like ah fuck like this was supposed to go onto the other page god damn it like <laughs> And and I feel like like ah oh, like don't make me feel like I don't know how to read comics. Come on. And this was this was like deliberately manipulating me on that in the sense where I started reading those pages because it goes for like the last four or five pages that narration and about halfway through all of a sudden I realized like holy shit this is Wanda narrating it and like and I gotta flip back and read it again like oh my god you just totally led me along and like without realizing what I was reading like damn you like and it, it got me all like excited in the other way like oh you how did I not i didn't even realize this it was such a well orchestrated and and well executed and laid out Mm -hmm. uh, in that manner yeah, absolutely. I mean, if X Factor had to end, I'm glad that's what we're that's glad that's what we're getting because mm-hmm. after Inferno, everything's going to start all over anyway. So X Factor yeah. wouldn't have lasted past this anyway. So yes, our our um, X's for podcast comrade comrade Arturo texted me and asked me like you know about it because um, I'd read it before he did, and and I told him I'm like don't like it's X Factor Eleven. Like for as sad as we all were that X Factor ended, it's X Factor Eleven. Like. It's all still good. Like we're all, we're just, we're, we're rolling. We're still rolling along. Such a huge grand scale though. Oh, so excited for the dark hold event that's coming. But I'm probably the only one. But I love, I do love Wanda. So I'm a bad mutant lover. I'm, I'm interested to see where they go with her because, again, I read Wanda way back when she was on West Coast Avengers. <gasps> yeah, I read Wanda. that era. I, yeah, it really was. It really, really was. But you know, I read some of the stuff after that, and it did make her very, very villainous. So it's going to be interesting to see if they can steer it around 
again and and make me really like her as a character or if i am supposed to ever like her as a character again is she truly you know just a villain wanda oh, yeah. and lorna should only marvel needs to make an in like an an company-wide edict that they are only allowed to be written by women i think okay? so as Yep. You Seriously. like there should there is no fucking reason ever for anything anymore that we should ever pick up a comic book featuring a female character with mental illness written by a man. There is like all of these like can I like this character questions are all, these are all about mm-hmm. men trying to depict women with mental illness over the years and the clusterfuck right. that became of it. Yep. Let yeah. Leah Williams and Teeny Howard and crew like let them clean this up mm-hmm. <laughs> and men never again yeah most yeah. definitely because we've seen yeah. especially leah like we've seen like aurora like holy shit like nobody's given aurora another such a good like mm-hmm. amazing perspective since like maybe they tried in like the late 90s of the alpha flight to make her like that nun thing that was weird um yeah but <laughs> leah williams is single-handedly but also like, too reviving Lorna. every female character with mental illness that has been bastardized mm-hmm. by male writers in the past and good yeah, they've her. all gone through their weird nun phase give so, her a, like, yeah <laughs> give her if you don't give her a legit eisner give her a fucking honorary eisner yeah. this year mm-hmm. yeah. seriously but yeah no it, it would be great to see a lot of women or non-binary characters and people be written by actual mm-hmm. women or non-binary people's, you know, just as as a whole, because there are nuances that you can guess at, and there are nuances you cannot guess at, and it becomes very clear when you write them who is writing them, because there are just certain nuances that are super off, and you're just going, who wrote that? Because no Peter person David. has said that ever. <laughs> no person has said this ever. Like, well, and this is we were talking when we did X Men legends you know we're talking about this with peter david that you know i always try to give him a little extra credit because he takes a lot of shit now for this but you know i peter david was probably the best of them like over the course of a period of time where there were no there was nothing other than cishet white men for the most part writing this you had your occasional like grandma wheezy and stuff but this was you know cishet white men dominating and writing everything and the only one even attempting to voice other things now it was coming from a cishet white man so it was not good but he was trying like he was he was the only one like trying and that's why he has glad awards like that's why people are like wait how did he win because this was peter david's like writing gay characters was like the pinnacle of gay characters being written until because we didn't have any finally started letting gay writers in to write gay characters and then shit got real good i mean it's kind of like hickman hickman actually does write especially for for his time frame Mm -hmm. hickman wrote really great women characters at the time mm. and he seemed to have actually put in the work to continue progressing mm. forward well, his his well, he didn't remain with those one type or his one thing he actually progressed over the years so I, a lot I of people don't that. know this but jonathan hickman is actually a pale omniscient female character from an alternate dimension <laughs> why yes. he writes them so well yes. but, you, but especially about pad you're right like I, I never realized this until i went back and looked at it like the first book i ever read like i was like eight right it was a star trek book it was strike zone by peter david 
did. So like, I've, I've been reading his stuff since before I even got into comic book. He did try. Did he get it right? No. <sighs> Especially like the, the biggest thing just from my personal experience I can think of is like the whole Rain, Richter, <laughs> and Shatterstar thing was a hot fucking mess. <laughs> but he gave us Richter and Shatterstar. But he did. But so like he tried whereas people didn't try. So like you're gonna try and fail and I think obviously there's there's other shit he's done that we're not gonna go into but he's made his own case for being worse person <laughs> than uh but like that makes writers like teeny say that she's not going to try to address these other issues for characters in her book because she doesn't know that experience and doesn't want to get it wrong so uh, that backlash is stopping people from trying instead of trying to get more people to try and understand here. But to yeah. me, that's kind of a cop-out because you can try, but you can also talk to people who have had those experiences. There's the giant difference. If you just refuse to even like sit and have some in-depth conversations, and I'm not talking with friends, I'm just talking with take, take different people from your fan base. Take, like, talk to different people, especially people who are in the particular community that you want to talk about. So if you're talking about a woman who grew up in, you know, uh, St. Croix, you know, had a Haitian background or, you know, had a particular, you know, background uh, that is very personable and is going to have a huge impact on that character, then please go talk to the people who are in that because it, there might be cultural things that are very, you know, even if you kind of rejected that society you'd still hold true to some of like maybe the the celebrations or the superstitions or even some of the sayings like take the time to actually talk to the people who live those experiences instead of going oh well i could never do that experience right so i'm not even going to try no, well, try, I, but I think you, that's you what makes the X slack so good, which is was mm. surprising about Teeny saying that is because you know they do communicate because like you can't you you can't have it both ways. We can't have diverse representation in our teams and have a writer who is all of those things. Mm. Like we can't we can't have a book with a, a wide diversity of characters, and that writer is going to be a a straight gay cis trans white black Asian Hispanic person, Native person. American. <laughs> like like it can't you know it, it just doesn't work. So they have to communicate, you know, and that's what we had a lot of in you know the first year or so of you know we kept hearing that out of the X writers and the X like that that's how they did you know that you know Ben Percy would send something in and you know ask the girls to look at it if he was writing like you know a female like that they work together and that those books were richer yeah. for it yeah, I think the fact that we have three non-male writers on the X book was really helping the line. So, like, you know, just that combination. And since they're such good friends, Leah, Teeny, and Vita, they're all, like, bringing that non-male voice to the books. And they're bringing their own life experiences with uh, being a Q, women perspective. Non-binary perspective. And the yeah, non-binary absolutely. perspective. So, like, they're bringing it all to it. And it, we're better for it. Yeah. yeah. And you know what? I Like, we give Jerry Duggan a lot of credit on here for you know his takes on female characters particularly in marauders a book that oftentimes will just be filled with you know four five six female characters all with their unique individual voices and agency and you know yeah he's also you know there's also a very good chance that he's benefiting from having that you know that that his group chat isn't all just a bunch of 
you know, old cishet white men writing the other book. They're like, oh, you're going to kill Betsy this issue? That sounds great. That's a great plan. Yeah, <laughs> Wait, they're going to get blowback. Is it a refrigerator? <laughs> is it a deep freeze? <laughs> Make her talk about her boobs more. Women oh, do that a lot. <laughs> oh, my God. Look, yes, you're not allowed. Not, you actually do, though. You're not allowed to know. You're the only woman who's not allowed to complain about this because you do. No, it's oh like, God, it's like know, we it's do, like but we don't get to talk about them in the ways those books often talk about them. I'm just like, okay, it's like there's this line in about. Star Trek Insurrection, right? That really bugs the shit out of me when they're on the planet and they're like, they're like, the Deanna and Beverly are talking and they're like, have you noticed your boobs are firmer? Because the planet, you know, makes you younger. And they're like, not that we talk about these things in this day and age. And I'm like, fuck, why did you even put that in the fucking movie? But anyway, right? I'm like, mm, A, that's not what we would have been doing. B, why would you put that in there? They're supposed to be so more advanced past this. Like there were there were non-binary or like different members of crew in Star Trek would be wearing different types of uniforms. So not all of them, not all of the women really were in dresses scant, like the, the and scant, not all like of the, the men were in pants. There were some some male presenting or mask presenting people who were wearing those dresses. And there were some, you know, femme presenting people who were wearing those pantsuits. So why put anything in about there about the boobs? Yeah. Also, it's like, oh, they went one inch up. I'm like, oh, yeah, well, talk to me. Yeah, can get me back to when I was about, I don't know, 18. Because, oh, my God, my back would thank you. But, yeah, just like you you can tell usually where a perspective is coming from. Or even if the person who's been writing has spoken to people outside of their own narrow purview. Because each character that we have so far is based off of some culture that is here on Earth. There are very few aliens influences so far coming in from that not in the of. x line because it's all it's human mutants you know the x line is very much and and i mean and that that's one of the things going back that's always kind of made it more relatable is you know it's it has led the way with female characters with diverse characters with characters of color with um you know the whole giant size x-men was going around the world and bringing in i mean we don't think twice about it now that there was a russian character but during the old fuck the height of the cold war they brought in a russian character and made it like like that was some controversial shit like x-men has always been good about you know diversity and inclusion and making sure that you know it matches you know that mutant metaphor works for so many disenfranchised groups yeah and the the, the worst of times in this you know the worst of creators and look back at moments are typically well it's not fair to say because comics history is 99 percent you know old white men it wasn't wheezy who assassinated those those female characters with mental illness wasn't it wasn't anna genty wasn't marjorie lou or g willow wilson that's why it's, it's so like i get this valid criticism that people put out there but also i feel like the x-men line tries kind of like you were saying with peter david the x-men line tries where a lot of other franchises don't try to expand the stories and be more diverse and it's hard when there's not everybody out there trying. So when you get it wrong, it really sinks in harder because that's like the only representation. So you're out there getting that one chance wrong and like, it's a mess. Yeah. Well, and I think that's why it works so well because the mutant metaphor allowed these writers that have really no background of being oppressed to think about like whatever would oppress them, you know, like, you know, they're out of my brand of cigarettes at the bodega or something. And then like, like apply that pain to the characters so then readers can you know actually apply it to their actual oppression and feel like they relate so 
because it, they're they're not you know chris claremont was never really like the times when he did explicitly try to write about racial oppression it didn't go oh, very well no those were not the best moments in the claremont run but the but moments the writing about mutant oppression yeah. allowed yeah. people to relate from yeah. a history of racial oppression i mean you have to understand people sometimes people need stuff really spelled out like that old yeah they tell the x-men like the old star trek story where the people with the half of the face that was black and white hated the yeah. people that was the, like yes you white really need to be able to spell something out in that matter for some people to really understand what it is also mad prop that is nathan's third star trek reference of the right? episode i know right I and i've known so... everyone yes he gets <laughs> oldies yeah oh he, get, he gets <laughs> He gets a free frozen yogurt now. <laughs> but it's only redeemable at Quarks, and it, like, you can buy a Hollow Sweet program with it, too. So. Right, that'll only run you a couple of gold press platinum. Hey guys, Nico here one last time. This last segment completes a miniseries that we've loved covering this whole time. America Chavez Made in the USA has been an incredible treat, not just for fans of Latinx characters, but for people who want to see characters grow, for people who are ready to see characters move on to something new. This miniseries has given us a lot to think about and reminds us the ways in which Marvel can always be working to dynamically redevelop their characters. Guys, we love making this show for you at least twice a week, every week. It is such a pleasure. As always, guys, please check us out over on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Patreon at X's for Podcast. As always, I've been Nico. You guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Nico Action. That's N-I-C-O-A-C-T-I-O-N. And until next time, guys, keep those mutant lights lit, those Krakoan gateways open, and we will see ya. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to X's for Podcast, the show where we take a look at comics, mutants, magic, and marvels week after week through their many monthly titles. I'm Nico, and you guys can check me out on Instagram and Twitter at Nico Action. That's N-I-C-O-A-C-T-I-O-N. Hi, and I'm Rod. You can find me at rod comma the on twitter and instagram that's r-o-d c-o-m-m-a-t-h-e and that is also twitter and instagram again okay. <laughs> it's nathan and you can find me on twitter and instagram at dazzler away i'm not gonna spell dazzler because if you don't know how to spell dazzler you're not cool <laughs> Ooh, coming for our fans and i'm jonah and you can follow me over on twitter instagram at peak jonah that's p-e-a-k and we hope you survive this experience unlike catalina question mark she fell into a star-shaped hole I, if i had a nickel well i want to start with number one i constantly follow the star-shaped holes number two, oh that came out dirtier than i meant number two <laughs> yeah that, no, um, that's the joke yep <laughs> i feel like dazzler is something you spell with love and that's what nathan meant that you is exactly dazzler what i meant yeah. with love and a lot of with the heart emoji a yeah. lot of and a lot of auto-tune and a lot of um b for b list so uh um, z for z list i mean she's, give her that. oh or z for dazzler yeah so, yeah yeah speaking of dazzling we're here today to talk about the traumatically sad who you've been doing way too many final issues lately first and final it's all we've been covering lately it's been like this way of x everything's ending or it's starting like trial of my 
Magneto. And so here we are with America Chavez made in the USA number five by the incredible team of Kalinda Vasquez, Carlos Gomez, Jesus Albertov, Travis Lanham from VC, of course, on lettering. And there were a number of incredible, incredible covers, not just by women, but women of color. We had Sarah Pacelli, Tamara Bonvillan, and Natasha Bustos. And this team gave us so much. And just to, to go a step back, Sana Aminat is one of the supervising editors. And Sana Aminat might not be a household name to comic fans, but she should fucking be because she is just as responsible for Ms. Marvel as G. Willow Wilson is because, frankly, Ms. Marvel is Sana Aminat. So let's not get it twisted. So we're here to talk about issue five of a series that maybe finally put America in the driver's seat. I want to start with, Jonah, you came to me and you were like, okay, I want to read some America. And I was like, okay, so you should check out her solo. And you were like, um, I read that it was bad. And you know, that's, that's the general sentiment. Her previous series just did not live up to her, her value. So you came into this with some concerns that maybe this was going to be more of that same right? So how do you feel standing on the precipice of the finale moment for America, your first America series that you seem mostly positive on? Yeah, and it's mostly positive. I think there were some areas where I think could have used some tweaking to punch up what I think the emphasis and what this story was meant to be and who America is supposed to be. This is a rewriting of America, so she has an identity to stand on her own. She isn't a carbon copy backstory of she's an alien from a parallel dimension, and that's kind of about it. And I know that sounds... It might be a little bit if ignorant. Every time an alien from another dimension fell into a star shaped hole after finding out that she was a science experiment, I tell you. <laughs> We'd have two nickels, <laughs> which isn't a lot. It's weird that it happened twice. Hey, there's a cheering um, shortage going on. That's a lot. Yeah. So I, I originally was very nervous for this. Not even that I'm going into this knowing that a whole new backstory was going to be given to America and they're going to reestablish her own canon and her own mythos, but more so that the previous iteration wasn't my favorite. And I got nervous that this might, it was going to happen again. And that's almost a death sentence for a character. If they have two not well-received solo series back to back, they might get put on the shelf. And that's not what I would ever want to see happen with America. I think she's a character, especially now is really important for what she symbolizes and it can help inspire. I hope inspires a whole generation of young girls to look up to her in the same way that I want them to look up to Moon Girl, how I want them to look up to Riri Williams, how I want them to look up to Kate Bishop. There's a lot of young superheroes that I really want to be out there for young girls to be able to get into comics and to see themselves in. So I was really hoping that this story would do well. And for the most part, I was really happy with it. And, you know, speaking of people who are frequently the target of books aimed at young girls, Nathan, I... (laughs) I have to know, you know, you you covered this book with such joy and you've clearly interacted, not just with the title, but I've, I've watched America go from a character that you're like, oh, I really dig her. She's so cool. To now you're like, I know her. And if you'd like to hang out with her, here's no, here's, I'm telling you the approach to take. Like, I feel like your America-tude has really, um, I don't have a joke, but talk to me about how you feel about America. I, I, I know this retcon has been, or reimagining of her 
origin has been controversial, right? I, I do, I personally like it because there's things I can see that make her a more approachable character in the long run. And I think not where she's ending in her power set makes her more accessibly used in books, hopefully in the future. Being in New York is always a great spot to be for superhero books. I always seem to be in New York. Like I would imagine like half the New York superheroes by now in Marvel Universe. Like, hello. So like I think I don't fix the sewer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, now they've got one whole community gone there in the sewer. So like but at least there's still like 10 other ones to take a like Morlock place. But like I, I do I love where this is left her. I love that it's leaving her at a place where I think she can be well positioned to be used and her powers while we're gonna get to see what they do. I don't think she's so overpowered. And I think that's my worry with some of the characters why like I'm sure Monica Rambeau doesn't get used that much because she's so overpowered and it's hard to make a compelling story especially in a team setting where you need to have that whole team to come together when you could just have Spectrum or America and you know I think that is such a, a danger that a character like America faces now Rod that had been one of your earliest comments about the title you had said that your fear was that more people don't use her because she's OPAF and perhaps writers were not just intimidated by this strong you know exciting young brown woman but that they were also intimidated by this strong young brown woman who could punch a hole in reality now without getting too ahead of ourselves that concern was very clearly taken care of by the end of this series but even stripped away of that transformation this was a great opportunity to see america grow as a person and your takes on her have always really involved her weaknesses but loving her despite them how did you feel seeing america tested over and over again for five issues putting her to her emotional limit i mean i liked it i feel like i mean that part i like most of it i'll get to what i didn't like um, but i did like that they grew her as a person emotionally because she has been you know too headstrong and like too ambitious and too always too 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 you know and like it's it's we winded her down we got her settled we got her you know family drama settled and you know found out what really happened to her mom so she has like her she faced her trauma basically so we can kind of let that go hopefully now and kind of move on with her character in a sense that where she is now you know have her actually grow more as a character than just be like traumatic has two dead moms and is like angry always so punching like, always punching always being <laughs> so you super want her like sassy. on a leo williams book then right <laughs> yeah <laughs> always punching always like being sassy like let's let's we're, we're moving past that now with her and getting more of a oh i need to you know help my family i need to be you know the heights hero which is cool that the heights is getting a hero now like she yeah. might not stay there but like when has the heights like had a hero because you know brooklyn has like a lot of people like luke cage and everything um the uh hell kitchen obviously has daredevil and like new york in general has spider-man yeah and Iron queens Man, he's and all queens. you know and the avengers and you also have dr strange and yes. it was also <laughs> close enough to the xavier's academy yes but no one is ever in the heights so they're like let's actually give that minority group an actual hero which is a good thing about this part so i like like i long story short i like her developmental growth and her emotions i think this is good for her character and i feel like writers will want to actually write her more now because she's not op even though i feel like if you're 
if you're a good writer, you shouldn't care if, you know, a character's too OP, you should be able to write that, but it does make it easier if they're not. So hopefully they can put her in other books now. While she does have a subplot, you can be like, oh, she's in this team, but she's also trying to figure out her powers, get a cure. Like there's a story that can already be written. So it's easy. It's right there. Just take it. And, you know, I think that's one of the, the exciting dangers of a character like America. This miniseries promised us answers and what answers it provided were answers to questions I don't know that we had. I don't know that my question was, what if her whole origin was a lie? Now, I'm I'm grateful for the answer. I think she's better for the answer. I think, though, that for every super cool introduction of the Starlings, which was such a great name for these characters and such an exciting turn, the loss of Catalina disappointed me, but I don't believe Catalina's gone. I believe she's gone in a very, see you later, brother, kind of Loki falling in Thor number one kind of way. Just, you know, a little bit more Latina. So <laughs> and so the hoop earrings are like billowing as she falls, right? So I question why Catalina on a couple of levels. And this is specifically what I want to say. I am famously anti-Yelena Belova in the comics. I hate comic Yelena to the point where I was very negative on her being in the film. And then I saw the movie and how wrong I was. So happy to be wrong. Think she's incredible. But in the comics, she does play a kind of fun counterpart to Black Widow at times. Not like a direct counterpart, but X-23 similarly has Kimora, who represents a oh older sister dark figure from her past and you know I feel like Catalina fits a trope that I don't hate it's very soapy so I love it I wonder though if it befits the longevity of the character granted we lost her by the end of this but how did you guys feel about Catalina at large knowing that her whole arc contains in five issues um I I I don't really I mean, I care about her because, you know, she's a woman of color and a character. And I actually kind of like her if, okay. So if I only read this story of America, I think I would really appreciate Kylie, but I haven't. I've read all the other stories of America. So I'm like, I didn't want this, her her long lost sister to be her, like her villain or like to be the villain of the story or to be like her arch nemesis, even though they're not really. And I'm sure they're going to, you know, some writer is going to make them, you know, come together and find a cure and blah, blah, blah. Like, that's great. I'm happy for that but i wanted something else i wanted like kid loki to come back or something you were hoping more honey badger than cassie nova you wanted a good secret sister (laughs) yes yeah if we had to have another family member let them be like something that adds on to like adds on her character in a good way and isn't like her nemesis yeah catalina was probably the part i didn't like the most i didn't think her motivations the way that she treated america made sense and I, I know sometimes when you're going through rough and traumatic upbringings like she did that your actions aren't going to always make sense but it, like her anger was directed at her and like there was no reason for it to be. So I, Jonah, oh perfect I was about to ask Jonah, how did you feel about the angry young lady? You know yourself occasionally very, an angry I don't know, young lady but it's like <laughs> you rage at the machine when I have to give you the Paramount Plus login to watch Drag Race <laughs> because it I this is not the time nor place 
ways to go on my tirade about all these different apps and their horrible video players. No, I can't. That's I can't. That is, oh, yeah. It, Paramount Plus is horrible. horrible. It's so bad. I, it's that and HBO Plus. They just oh, piss me off. Someone oh, created this very HBO well. The, the video players feel like they're, they're in the websites, they're mad at you for watching them. Mm-hmm. I feel uh, like I'm watching real time. Like, I feel like I'm literally watching, like, real audio, liquid player. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm dying. It's like my Netscape Navigator is having a bad fucking day on dial-up. I'm so sorry, Jonah. This was not the time for that conversation you were saying. <laughs> Um, I don't know if, uh, I would have to, I think, reread the series once again as a whole to find out my full emotional feelings about Catalina. Right now, I'm feeling on the lines of, I don't actually know if she was fully needed for this story. I think a lot of this story, while I know, Rod, you talked about you like seeing America as punchy, punchy, star, star fest, knocking the stars out of somebody, this story probably could have benefited a lot more from a constantly bring up this genre all the time on this podcast a slice of life kind of look at it where what if instead she not having this catalyst be her sister be the one to tell her that your pat the what the past you thought was wrong instead it's something that she found the clues and discovered on her own and we got to see a lot more of that emotional journey of your whole past that you thought was to be true isn't the concept of your blood family and found family and chosen family especially as a queer woman you know what did what you're saying so well, Shira, where she yeah. literally walked through her history as a queer woman interacting with her past without, ha- like, Kat- that wasn't where Catra was like, hey, Adora, I'm a slutty cat. Like, that was the one place <laughs> that Catra wasn't like a slutty cat. See, that's what I thought this was going to yeah. be. I thought since episode, like, episode tons of slutty, slutty cats. cats. Since issue all over the place. <laughs> not, the slutty, not, not, not the slutty cats part, but since issue one was really heartfelt with spider-man and all this other stuff and the guest starring i was like oh we're gonna get this i think that was issue one we're gonna get like a special guest each issue and she's gonna go down the line of how she can be a hero but not like everybody else and how she's a hero herself and like she was gonna stop being you know as punchy punchy like we've seen her and like well she did grow but i thought she was gonna grow differently not just because of her nemesis sister and like trying to get over her you know mother's death so yeah i agree with you jonah i thought it was gonna be like more like that and just just grow as a hero on her own and then it just forced upon it with more trauma. I think if Gales was the main adversary of the story instead of Catalina, like, I would have felt a lot better about it. And it's definitely to say those themes that I mentioned that we were talking about are there in this book. They're they're absolutely present and I again, we obviously aren't privy to everything that goes on into the Marvel offices of what is allowed, what had to be changed and all of that. So I, I don't, I'm not going to put words into somebody's mouth because I'm not one of those creators. But I, I feel like a a lot of those scenes could have been explored better with less of the typical action because I don't know if this book needed that. I don't know if we needed to see the fights between Catalina and America. I don't know if we needed to see the fire scene. I think there's a lot more emotional stakes and a lot more growth you can do with America without having to see her in a fighting scenario. And that's also, I think, a really interesting scenario to put her in is these constant emotional situations where she can't use fighting because I think that's something that she might be accustomed to. And it might be almost her first solution is, I don't know exactly how to handle this, but I can use my fists. And seeing her in those situations, I think probably would have done a lot more to help promote the growth. Well, and let me ask kind of like a weird question, because let's let's think about the fact that America is poised 
to become a leading lady of the MCU. And we know that she's going to appear in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. And we just saw Doctor Strange in the Spider-Man No Chance This Isn't Secret Wars trailer. So (laughs) we've gotten, you know, a sense of the path that will get her there. But when I think of Wanda, like, you know, when I think of Wanda, I think, you know, maybe like 1960s Wanda a little too much where she's just sort of like, I'm going to cause you vague bad luck. And everyone's like, what's that? Gonna- oh my God, my shoes are untied. <laughs> they, go down to buy the- they go down to tie their shoes and she's like, more bad luck. And they're like, what? Oh my God, my neck hurts. And they just go down. Like- oh no, I pulled a muscle. <laughs> right. Okay. Like- hamstring, hamstring. I- when I think of Wanda, it's all very, it's all very, your library books are overdue. And like, I- but then I watched WandaVision where the plot was like, fuck your TV. And like, <laughs> it was amazing. America perhaps doesn't have the cultural value yet to have earned that from the world at large. And I'm not passing judgment on the Marvel offices in this regard. You know, I just praised Sanaa Aminat at the top of this. And I see she's one of the editors on this. So I'm sure that she has the best intentions for the title. And some of those intentions involve understanding SEO formatting. So like, perhaps there has to be an action sequence every issue, or it just doesn't sell. Maybe retailers said, you know, when you guys throw in that fourth issue with nothing in it, you ruin my sales for the rest of the miniseries. Maybe that's something they hear a lot. And so it had to be put in, but I'm going to reiterate everything you guys said. You know, I feel the one thing this book lacked was breathing. Mm -hmm. This was a 12 issue maxi, not a five issue mini. This was a hundred and 80 page graphic novel, not a 122 page tight, quick and done. And it ultimately makes me wonder what they were hoping to get out of this because I love Catalina's inclusion. I understand the reasons that everybody's not crazy about her, but I think the only thing we're walking away from this miniseries with is America's got fewer powers and she moved to New York. You can say America's got a little less talent. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> wow there's wow. no golden x for that wow i x you out what is that i x you out i'm uh, um oh, uh, no, on that show for a while and go watch it then but <laughs> you're welcome no are you done yet i, I rebuke it i rebuke it <laughs> Well, so, okay, here's my, here's my thought. America found its way to New York. <laughs> Finally, I guess. All right. Do you guys feel that, because I'm walking away from this miniseries giving it a B plus. Even if I don't love all of the outcome, I liked having a really solid story for America. I thought this was, just to kind of bring up something that I know we've covered together, this was better than any single part of Heroes Reborn by, you know, character development through a yeah. story. This was better than Black Knight in terms of it provided consistent voice for a single lead character in a redefining way. This was stronger than I'm trying not to just like pick on other series or anything, but like this was stronger than a lot of balls I've seen run halfway down the field, right? This this was a lot better form, but I am sort of wondering why Marvel didn't give Kalinda a little bit more room to develop the character a little bit further. If I could have gotten one more thing from this, it would have been a little bit more on the family. I'm not trying to, can't believe this. I'm going to have to quote Mr. Fantastic over there. I kind of wish 
wish there was a little more slice of life in this fucking book because uh, I think the I thing like that slice of life though. Me too. I do. Too. <laughs> I just after that joke he made, I don't want to give him anything except <laughs> mean looks. So no, it was actually that was spot the fuck on, and I I feel like it was almost like her family just showed up to be like yeah, and her be like, <gasps> but it it like literally feels like that's her entire family's purpose to show up and yell at her for a minute, and that needed the breathing. What would yeah. you guys have wanted to see a little bit more from in this book, whether you got it at all or you didn't get it? Nathan, was there so? Oh, oh, jo- Jonah's so excited. That he passed. <laughs> go go ahead, Jonah. Go Jonah. Bishop, more Kate Bishop. And that's not to me say, saying that because I have fallen in love with Kate Bishop and I have been currently catching up on everything she's ever been in, not only to prep for the show, but just because I, I it, that's my new my new stand oh, uh, is so, Kate Bishop. Hold on, hold on. So eating uh, tacos wrong. Jonah, <laughs> since you're she's eating tacos wrong. Jonah, since you like Kate Bishop, she just appeared in a new issue of Black Widow. Go read that. Every, <gasps> in the audience, go read it. Too. Oh, I'm I'm writing that down. Yeah. Go read it anyway. Uh, and it's Kelly Thompson's woman, Black Widow yeah, is amazing. I say it's by the woman who's Deadpool you enjoyed. I almost said it's by Kelly Bishop, and <laughs> it is certainly not by Emily Gilmore. Not now, nor when she was in a chorus line. <laughs> but I think it, it, what I would have maybe liked to see more of is a mix of what you said, Nico, and something you brought up earlier, Rod, is kind of almost a little bit what's going on in the current Shang-Chi run, where Shang-Chi is kind of making his way through the Avengers slash other people that he's interacted with to reestablish him as the character for his upcoming movie I think it maybe would have suited better to see everybody's kind of reaction in their heroism and America feeling like that doesn't quite fit with how she is, she is a hero and you look at Spider-Man and how Spider-Man is a hero is very different than you look at Kate Bishop or Shang-Chi or anybody or Daredevil or Jessica Jones or anybody else that it's a great encounter. point you don't need to keep naming all my favorites but if you want to work <laughs> I'm right there or looking at maybe people she might not have interacted with before, like looking at the X-Men, looking at, mm-hmm. I don't know. I couldn't think of anybody else. The only people I could think of is the Inhumans, but no. <laughs> I mean, they're showing up everywhere else, so. Uh, the Inhumans? Oh. Really? They're back again? Like, are they like rats? We saw Crystal and her child talk to a human. And in- What did you say? <laughs> We saw Crystal's oh. concubine show up to mourn his sister yeah. lover. Shout out she, Shout out to that one issue where Crystal did not feel any remorse whatsoever for cheating on Johnny. I told no. Sue she doesn't regret it, and she'd do it again. I mean, Johnny Storm. Yeah, Quicksilver doesn't regret cheating on her with himself constantly. I'm convinced Quicksilver can run fast enough to fuck himself in the oh, ass, God, yeah. but that's oh, another absolutely. conversation uh, for uh, another day. Uh, I'm very good. I'm very but, um, good. I'm very good. But yeah, I... <laughs> I, I think showing her bonds or having somebody to actually talk about these problems, whether they can relate or not, and it's hashtag relatable content. I think we a lot of times really love characters and we can we can establish bonds, the seed the bonds that they create with their other characters in their own universe and in canon and in their books. And I think they dip their toes with Kate, and I really like that, but I really wanted to see more of that. I wanted to see more, especially like her other young of 
Avenger friends. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of character back and forth that you can develop and grow with. But seeing how how does America interact with these people that she's been on a team in a one on one scenario? How did what is she, how does she relate to them? Does she relate to them? Does she really even like them? Does she find it hard to work on a team with them? What does that mean for her? I think there's a lot to do with the character there, not even just for herself, but just as a larger narrative as a whole. Because I think that's something that a lot of creators, no matter what medium you're working in, whether it's comic books, movies, books, whatever, you want your characters to feel as real as possible and you want to give as much to work with because you want the fans to speculate. You want them to talk about it. You want them to come with their own theories because that's how you engage and that's how you get your you know your work out there. Yeah, I would agree. I I would agree with all of that, honestly. I, I, I would ask honest, uh, I would also give it a B plus because I mean I think it's a good series despite the breathing room you know and despite us being like a little eh about some things like I think it's a good well read series I do I'm glad you brought up Shang-Chi because it's only like three issues in and it had more breathing room than these five issues <laughs> and, and speaking of Shang-Chi for just one minute because Rod you deserve the credit for this Marvel currently has the and I know this is coming out Friday August 27th this is coming out on oh, Friday August 27th oh, yeah. 2021. Right now, the previous issues of Shang-Chi are on sale. You can get the whole run on Comixology for $2.50. Oh. So you need to go pick that up. It's so good. And the it show is. would not be covering it if it weren't for Rod. So 10,000 points there. Yeah. And it is really good. You should go get it. Like, that's a really good price. I paid more than that when it per came issue. out. <laughs> per, per issue. Per issue. For real. Per Same. issue. Physical. So I'm kind of, I mean, you I look panic stricken. I was like, <laughs> I my money um, <laughs> it's, fine. it's on so it's fine um, but yes so America that's right so <laughs> America is was good you know I the only thing I would say it needed more breathing room it needed about if it was going to be like this then it needed to be more like 10 or 12 issues at least but the reason why I think they did not do this is because you know like we said America is coming into the MCU and like next year yeah next year yeah. so I'm sure she's either going to get another little mini right before before or right after and this mini was to set up her being like kind of like the character in mcu and then she's going to get another mini to try to build her up as like this new established you know status quo of her so i get why they probably rushed this in a five issue just to get out of the way so they can do more i just wish it was not rushed as much as it was but i have to complain about one thing and i don't know why they did this and that's the only thing i will seriously complain about this book is why did they break up well technically break like on a break her and Ramona I don't understand I don't understand I don't understand she long distance is a thing she can be with her family and still be in a relationship with her uh that's my biggest negative about this book like about the whole series is that right there it's a it's 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 such a you know there's that thing where writers are like you break a character down to their chorused parts but you know what I'm also like maybe Kalinda's got us maybe she's got it going on with the editorial department and maybe. when it's time to come back for the MC unifying miniseries, maybe Kalinda's going to come back and maybe Kalinda's like, uh, Phoenix Echo is by and they're going to get it on. Maybe that's what we're going to get. Maybe she's got a story waiting and maybe America's going to be Polly, you know, and we're going to get that. And she's the character. I, I don't know. I'm, I guess I'm just hoping I can see more of myself than ever in America. <laughs> 
America, but I agree with you. No reason to break them up. Great point. And I and I just to just to reiterate one more second. I don't think we're gonna like because they broke up. I don't know if we're gonna get Ramona anymore. Like because like yeah, they could get America with somebody else, and I'm sure they will because she's a big character. Can be named MCU. She's not going away. But like Ramona, she might go away, and that's a great character. And she's from Wakanda, and like another queer black character, like just pushed away is so sad. <laughs> so I didn't want that to happen, and that's how I feel like what's gonna happen because like where is she gonna be? I wish it was explained a little bit more that America was has said I'm trying there's a lot I'm trying to deal with right now with my own identity I might need some space to work on myself but because that wasn't said and is either implied or there's an entirely different reason I think that just goes down to we needed a little more breathing room for either a good reason for the break or have a good reason of them talking it out of what that means for them my final score on this series would be depends on if the Catalina plot gets picked up so if the Catalina plot gets picked up like I could give it a B plus A minus if the Catalina plot gets dropped like so many other ones like if you look at over the years like even even bigger characters like like Megan disappeared for so long waiting to come back from the void I'm not going to mention her name but another character close to Nightcrawler has disappeared in that same kind of <laughs> void too <laughs> Pixie, you mean Pixie? <laughs> yeah, sure, Pixie. Pixie. Um, but you know, they 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 do that a lot with characters where the writer maybe means to pick up that plot, and then nobody ever does. So if Catalina stays there and is never mentioned again, then then it'll really drop down the value of the series to me as a whole because it'll be yeah, it'll redefine America Chavez, but it'll sort of be pointless in a lot of the things. I do think the Ramona split was intentional. I think it it's got to be setting America up for a higher profile romance yeah that sucks oh so it's like celebrity yes oh, yeah. so, america, so america's on raya got it yes yeah. so, america so, is getting like, t-swizzled yeah yeah yep. I, I, yeah yeah so me i mean and it sucks because i didn't i did enjoy the relationship especially as it was portrayed in kelly thompson's west coast avengers so like that was a really fun part of it and like i loved it but i, I do think unfortunately it's probably not gonna come back i hope no. i'm wrong hope i'm wrong but it, it i think it's done and they're trying to move america on to something else or give her the opportunity the options to see what other characters they want to put her with i mean it's new york there's lots of there's lots of superhero fish in the sea they're gonna put her with a man <laughs> well 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 i don't care if they put her with a man or, or a woman as long as she stays pan yeah i was like she's pan so she yeah, i guess be... so it's fine like a pansexual <laughs> person is still pansexual if they're in that's a true i know in a relationship. i so. know it's true so that does lead me though to a question that's been on my mind for a hot minute and marvel 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 we seem to be slightly ahead of things that happen a lot like we guess things that are really fucking close to what happens and i don't know if i'm trying to guess a thing or if i'm trying to will it into existence but if we have one hope for america right i would love to know what everybody's hope for america is but i would like to see much like the beautiful job they've done with the agents of atlas becoming the new name for a incredible calling together of agent and Pacific Islander heroes. I love the champions as a young team. I would love to see young allies be repurposed as a Latino type. I would enjoy seeing America, Reptile, White Tiger, Tarantula, as well as other characters. Black Tarantula is so fucking hot. And I think there is a wealth to be explored. I love America with a number of other characters. The truth is the Latin community could really use that sort of cohesion all up in the one kind of team kind 
kind of thing. Just like there are so many beautiful versions of Black culture, and we still deserve a Black team that brings together the beautiful different threads of Black culture. We still deserve, you know, Atlas is, we, we, will, we will continue to deserve Atlas no matter how much trouble they have getting that book to stay on a regular publishing schedule, thanks to a fickle fandom that is comics getting distracted by events. I would love to know what you guys hope to see from America in the future. I mean, I'm over here being like, United Nations are punching ass. But what are you guys punching ass? What are you guys looking for from Amcha? Okay, so I would love it if they did a sort of like, Jason Aaron did a sort of like East Coast, West Coast Avengers again. Made West Coast Avengers big and huge. And somehow America ended up on one of the teams, obviously, I guess New York now because she's based in New York. But like, I would really love to see that experience get expanded like it was back in the day. West Coast Avengers, while it was a little wacky, it had a lot of huge big characters in it and became a huge big fan book. I wouldn't say a huge big sales book, but a huge big fan book because it had that characters. steady line. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'd love to see. I want it. I want it. But you know, I'm 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 not trying to say like no West Coast Avengers, but I feel like these Avengers are vaguely West Coasty, right? So I would love it if she had like, I don't know, the Virginia Beach Avengers. <laughs> or like Ooh. or like the Hilton Head Avengers, you know, the Wisconsin Air. Airport Avengers, something. The Great Lakes just... Avengers, what? <laughs> Rod. Oh my God. Rod, uh, other than and then cheering for the Austin Avengers, <laughs> what do you want for from America Chavez? They're going to do a team book with mostly like Latinx people. Probably not. It won't probably won't be completely, unfortunately, but probably like mostly. They need to do a popular, you know, Avengers type S title that's already been done so it can sell. I don't know what that would be. Maybe West Coast Avengers, but like that didn't sell that great before. It needs to be something that, that will catch everybody's eye and get them to buy it. But yeah, I would like her on that team. I would like a more, more Latinx team because if you think about it, what team do Latinx have? I mean, my fiance is always talking about where are the Latinx characters. He's like, there's mm-hmm. never any Latinx characters. He's like, now we have Robbie that's it, getting kind of more attention because he's on the Avengers but like where are all the other ones it's Robbie America me and Juan that's literally right? <laughs> everyone <laughs> like we got Reptile who's getting four issues we got America who just like finished having five issues and then like where are they like they're not even showing up in any other people's stories they're just on their own they're not making cameos or anything so I feel like if they did get a team book like that and get it more established and like get a really you know great artist team on it and get writing team then you can get people to read it more and then you can get those little cameos you can experience like put the time and effort into it so that they can expand i'd love that i I hate that they what they did to the crew like they killed it like they canceled it on the second issue Mm. like they let it finish its run but they canceled it after its second issue which Mm. was a beautiful book that team oh i love that i remember that i was yeah (laughs) speaking of amazing characters that are getting solos echo is getting a solo and while she's not strictly latina she is indigenous and you know the native people of uh the united states have had such an incredibly long and beautifully intertwined history with latino cultures and there are huge parts of our nation where those two ideas are completely in interexable from one another so even if it's not necessarily your latin flavor it's a latin flavor that is just as delicious and speaking of delicious latin flavors jonah where do you my 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 delicious delicious puerto rican prince where can you hope to find america in the future other than hanging out with us clearly i really want kind of like i said before america in situations where she hasn't been placed before and i think a new team would be great 
I would love to see America be a leader, put her in a leadership role. I think she's somebody who can naturally fall in that, but I would, I want dies. her. <laughs> it's like oh, Yana no. being a leader. <laughs> no, America, America has, has matured. She'd be fine, probably. Okay, yes. Okay, yes. She, she'd be better than Ileana as a leader. Oh my God, I have a garbage monster that would be better than Ileana. There's a little thing <laughs> in my trash can. Ileana wants a whole dimension too. First off, leave Oscar the Grouch out of this. Second Mm -hmm. off, Ileana literally runs a whole fucking dimension that she has to keep all of those demons. She has the Dark Riders. She has her own. probably runs it, but like she doesn't really run it. The dimension she runs it. She's in charge of the water facility. I thought it it was established that she has to like go to limbo at some points to make sure that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. I mean, I'm supposed to go. Dim runs it. Dim runs it. I'm supposed to go to the doctor once a year for a physical, yeah. but I'm yeah, not no. sure everything runs quite <laughs> yeah. right I'm there. I'm sure she pops in there and is like, remember, I can kill y'all. Keep She's like, no, you better and not then, be causing trouble. Right? And then they're like, okay, boss. And then she goes back to Krakoa. Like, that's it. <laughs> All I'm saying is Ileana could do no wrong. <laughs> I love her. She would be the most amazing leader in the entire world. That's absolutely not true. I'm not that delusional. I think we just need to see more America. And I think, I don't know if it's the proper business model or if it's what they know to do, but I feel like having a lot more characters, even just in the background making cameos, makes them more popular and makes people want to see them more. I think it's it's kind of like your Pavlovian training people to want to see characters. Because if you say, as an example, they put America just in the background doing something in a multitude of different titles. People are going to want to see her because eventually they're going to be so used to seeing her. Why not transition that to... Uh, that's all I'm saying. Yeah, I no, think that's, that's a real thing. That's work. I, look, I, like, I, have, I have a point to that. Look at Jeff the Landshark. Yes, yes. That, look that at- fool was in every comic book and he, he got part of the Marvel Legends set because of that. I Jumbo only have that fucking Carnation. Jumbo Carnation yeah. is in introduced dies of like being a bad mutant drug dude and like well he ods on some bad kick and then his does. power goes haywire which we haven't seen in his game. <laughs> yeah he boils in his game we haven't seen jumbo go into plastic form a little bit and i'd like to see that somebody marvel team uh x team please so, plastic jumbo but i'm i'm with you all of you on that because like you know quentin choir was in a big arc and that's why he got to come back because he was such a big deal he got to come back but take a look at perhaps a character like Pixie or Annalie or any of the new X-Men Academy X kids that were literal background characters that got upgraded when Scotty Young started on the title. Or consider how slowly but surely, you know, I don't know how Ileana did it, but Ileana herself, she's like top tier now, bros. She's like, she's here to stab you. She's in games, main character now. Yeah, and Nico, Nico is going to be in the same game. Yes. And she did her time in A-Force. She did her time. Oh, yeah, no, I know. I'm having a hard time believing that there's a video game that stars Robbie Reyes and Nico, and it's all for me. I'm like... It's so great. I'm so happy. I mean, that's how I fell in love with Elsa Bloodstone, is that she was a new character introduced into Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3. Yeah. And that's how I discovered her, and that's how I was very... I was like, Nico, who is she? Who is she, Nico? Nico, you have to tell me! She's a shoot-em-up cheesecake queen. It's not a lot, but I was able to read everything she's in. 
<laughs> well, and the good news is some of it you barely have to read. You can just kind of look at and go, I get that. <laughs> oh, me with her original series where she was blonde and just basically Laura Croft. Anyway, not the point. We're not talking about that. And th- I think this goes for any kind of creation and any art. If you tell us a character is important and a big deal, we the readers know and will treat a character like they're a big deal. Yeah. When you treat a character like they're meant to be in the background, they're not important and they're kind of they're not interesting we're not going to be interested in them and then their books won't sell because you're not treating them the way that you should treat them if you want us to like them don't make the next big thing an afterthought that does not sell me on the next big thing like i just found out that that new defenders book that we all just went fucking nuts over we had one of the longest recordings we've ever had for a non-x title for that book i just found out it's a five issue miniseries what and no way yeah and like it immediately deflates okay. the title for me and that's not okay it makes me realize that that's why they play these fucking games that's why they play these fucking games with us where they don't say way of x is a mini or maybe it wasn't a mini maybe it was an ongoing and the sales were terrible like who knows but like it's that sort of shuffle that is why these titles for america matter so much because at any given time she could be kind of remainder and i think about characters that were like the thing for a year where they told us that that character is all there is now and then they completely fade into obscurity you know like right after planet hulk scar was everything Mm. he was everywhere you couldn't avoid him right after fear itself young handsome nicholas joseph fury jr was everywhere and you couldn't avoid him which was fine with me but you know then he disappeared and there was maria hill maria hill (laughs) she was another one like there's all these characters that are everywhere you know when the dark avengers were the avengers during the dark reign every other book had lester dressed up as hawkeye and for me that was the greatest couple of months of my life because my favorite marvel villain was running up to people being like i'll kill you and people were like literally antagonizing him being like what if i touched your butthole and he would be like no and so like (laughs) that's another story for another day but dawkins sexual torture of bullseye is perhaps one of the greatest things in comic history but yeah it's why these pages matter so much because who knows when we're going to get another chance to see her i commend marvel on their dedication to miles morales and i think the work they've done to ensure that miles never fades into obscurity is beautiful but i can't help but notice how many times agents of atlas has been canceled Mm -hmm. well and also even to that point look at ghost spider or gwen spider whatever her name is like she popped out of nowhere and now she's everywhere she's in multiple cartoon shows She's at the cost of pops. Gwenpool. At the cost, yeah, at yeah. the cost of Gwenpool. And I'm just like, like, she's a nice character and I appreciate her. <laughs> and I like her in some comic books. I have some of her figures. She's, she's cute, you know. She's pleasant she, enough she's at dinner. Fine. She's fine. But like, why did we focus on that character when we have so many spider people already? Like, I'm good for more women characters. Like, yes, please bring her. But like, what about the other reality. women? Right. But what about the other women characters that we have that we have already created and they're kind of like in the background? So even though she got a series but like five issues though it was five issues though and it just ended yeah so (laughs) again (laughs) well ladies and gentlemen we have taken a look and we have examined every page of america at this point and after five issues i think we feel richer for it but i think perhaps we don't feel america is richer for it and in that regard i think kalinda sought to create a mini series that did a good job she did right by the fans 
who have never really been done right by. Hopefully, that opens the door for the next writer to look back on Kalinda's psychological examination of a young woman permanently burdened on the precipice of adulthood, trapped in a sense of eternally overpowered adolescence, and can use that to give us a young adult ready to lead a generation of strong young Latin women. Does anybody have anything else they want to add to America Chavez Made in the USA here on Access Podcast? I do want to say I did. I do think Kalinda wrote this really well. Really? Yeah. Like yeah, I, really. I know we had her on the podcast. She's great. Like my qualms, the series is not with her writing of Truly. like, the, of like, like the scene, like the, the way they're talking to each other and everything. Like, I think she wrote this really well and I commend her for it because it is better than not to knock other series is down, <laughs> but it's better than some of them. Yeah. So, and it's written very cohesively in, in the sense that, of what we liked. So I appreciate that. that and, she gave us. And Kalinda's voices on all these other heroes that she brings in even if they're just for a panel or two are amazing so like yes so dead on. ever do like so many books please but yeah, yeah. give her spider-man even oh yeah like, <laughs> like her spider-man is beautiful mm-hmm. oh my god like so amazingly worded all right guys uh, although jonah do you have as our beautiful spider-man do you have anything you want to add no cool. <laughs> all right well jonah just said that currently jonah has less talent and so guys ah. i couldn't think of a joke uh oh this really should have been called America's Next Home Video because we got a lot of home movies of America's movies. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! That would have been hilarious. Oh my god! I shouldn't have let him talk. That was amazing. I love that. No, I loved it. Thank you, Jonah. That I'm hitting stop. <laughs>